Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Good afternoon. <clears throat> Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome. Uh, thank you, all of you, for joining us for this important workshop. Our colleagues from Fort Lauderdale and uh, all of you out there, and I think there's some overflow as well, obviously a lot of interest in this issue. Um, I want to uh, especially thank uh, Mayor Trentalis and Vice Mayor Pittman and the other Fort Lauderdale commissioners uh, who agreed to hold this workshop uh, and for adjusting their schedules and plans to be able to join us here today. Uh, just wanted to suggest that um, uh, anyone who is going to speak, please remember to turn on your mic and speak into the mic. I'm guilty of that sometimes um, uh, because we had some uh, issues this morning with that not happening. And also, if you could mute your phones, that would also be helpful. Thank you. Um, we have a, a rather limited time to cover a very complex subject. So um, I'm going to make some brief opening remarks. And then I want to also give uh, uh, Mayor Trantalis the opportunity to also make some opening remarks. And then we will dive into today's agenda. First and foremost, Collaboration is the key. For those of you who may not have heard, my mayoral theme this year is collaboration, community collaboration, achieving more together. This joint workshop reflects both the county and the city's commitment to work together to define solutions to transportation and other key needs in our communities. On behalf of the county, I want to reiterate our commitment to working collaboratively and receiving input from leaders of Fort Lauderdale and from other cities and organizations with a stake in planning for the future of our region. This is especially true when it comes to commuter rail and other regional transportation investments that the county is leading. We need all stakeholders to work with us and help us succeed in providing a regional commuter rail system to serve Broward County residents and visitors. Secondly, I don't need to remind anyone here, I don't think, that time is of the essence. We have been talking about developing commuter rail on the FEC corridor. I think the one figure that was given to me was at least for 20 years. We finally need to bring commuter rail to Broward. We currently have a pro-rail administration in Washington and a recently passed Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act that provides a window of opportunity to leverage federal funding. Development around uh, the anticipated uh, uh, rail stations, it's important that we have uh, transit-oriented development. Affordable housing, the workshop we had this morning, is one of the major opportunities within this context and the subject of our previous uh, county workshop, as I mentioned. Every day we wait uh, to move forward, we increase the risk of missing out on funding and economic development opportunities, not to mention the fact that traffic congestion continues to worsen in the absence of new public rest transit systems and construction costs continue to rise. Finally, let me take time, uh, uh, let, let's take the time today uh, to learn about the findings of this joint study and use the information to guide our decisions going forward. 
We agreed at the beginning of the year to jointly plan, fund, and execute this in-depth study. We now have an important opportunity to benefit from that work. I look forward to today's presentations and to a productive workshop with you all. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I want to echo the sentiments, sentiments that uh, have been expressed by uh, newly uh, elected Nan Rich, Mayor, congratulations. Uh, I think that today's workshop is, is going to be crucial and pivotal as we move forward in trying to make decisions regarding the commuter rail service. Commuter rail has been discussed for quite a few years, um, even predating my uh, early uh, uh, election back in 2003 to the City Commission of Fort Lauderdale. It's gone back that far. Back then it was considered a, um, uh, a, pipe, a pipe dream, a pie-in-the-sky kind of undertaking, thinking that we could have commuter rail up and down the, the corridor between Miami and West Palm Beach. <clears throat> it's important for us to recognize what are the benefits that we would try to achieve with a commuter rail service between those locations. Uh, Mayor Rich uh, pointed out economic development. And economic development is an important uh, aspect of this hoping to encourage people to live along the rail line and to also encourage investors to want to uh, invest in an area where commuter rail services uh, is available. But at the same time, we don't want to create an infrastructure that would enhance the commuter rail system, but at the same time uh, depress economic development. In Fort Lauderdale, for example, we have a flourishing, uh, robust, economic activity going on in our downtown. Many of you have seen it in Flagler Village and south of the river. We have significant amount of investment. Hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars have been and will continue to be invested in our downtown area. So whatever we do with regard to this commuter rail program, we can't do anything that's going to depress that economic activity, interfere with its growth, or in any way diminish its value as it's currently been built. In addition, we have to also consider what the enhancements are for, for travelers, people who are visitors, commuters in and out of our city, uh, commuters that would come, come through our city. We have a number of opportunities here that have been created through the Brightline uh, uh, system that we currently experience between Miami uh, and, or, and Orlando. And uh, it's been very robust and very successful now that most of those stations have been open, especially since um, Boca and Aventura have also been open. And we've seen the impact it's had. We see how people are taking the trains. And we see that the, it's, uh, we've just sort of um, made a dent in the opportunities that we have going forward. But I also want to point out that <clears throat> a, lot of these, a lot of the travelers that come to and from Fort Lauderdale in particular we have to ask ourselves, you know, where does a commuter rail service benefit the city of Fort Lauderdale? Uh, perhaps holistically and regionally, we see the opportunities of taking road, uh, cars off the road of 95, the Interstate 95, and how a train system that runs parallel with that uh, transportation system uh, might help to alleviate the traffic congestion. But from a city point of view, we have to ask ourselves, where does that leave Fort Lauderdale? Um, are we taking cars off the road coming in and out of the city of Fort Lauderdale and how does this new commuter rail service uh, affect the amount of traffic coming in and out of our city, especially much of the commuter rail that comes in and out of our city is east-west, not north-south. 
So these are, these are issues that we, we want to address and we want to continue to um, uh, make sure that we make accommodations for as we try to consider a regional transportation system such as we're discussing today through this commuter rails system. Now, I do want to point out a couple of things. Um, economic activity is important. It's not just real estate development. We have a very robust and pivotal industry here called the marine industries. It's, it generates billions of dollars of, of economic activity in our community, and we can do nothing, nothing to negatively impact it. If anything, we should look for ways to enhance it more and more. The city of Fort Lauderdale continues to find opportunities to increase dock space and, and, and marine service activity because we are the marine capital of the world, and we want to continue to make it that way. So in our discussions, we have to, we have to look to, for opportunities to assist the marine industries and not try to frustrate the, the, the kind of business activity that they, that they have uh, developed over the many decades here in our community. So having said that, I hand it back to our, our Mayor, Nan Rich, and uh, let's begin the discussion. Okay, thank you. Um, I would uh, first like to uh, uh, introduce our county administrator, Monica Sapero. Uh, and uh, ask her for any brief remarks she'd like to make. Thank you, Mayor uh, and Mayor Trinchalis. So this study, um, as you all know, has been a long time coming. Um, our team uh, began reaching out uh, to all of our colleagues uh, across the street uh, of the city of Fort Lauderdale, even before the uh, county commission passed uh, the resolution back in uh, September of 2022. Uh, directing us to collaborate um, and, and jointly plan, fund, and execute a joint study um, and work towards consensus. Uh, so even back then, uh, many stakeholders uh, were extremely anxious to get the ball rolling uh, and, and were not happy uh, when, when, they, uh, when they learned that we had agreed to make one last um, effort at reviewing the options and better understand technical and financial considerations. It was the will of this board to work collaboratively um, and, and I think what you have before you um, demonstrates that. You will hear um, from um, our, our team uh, shortly about how we got to where we are today with this. So uh, since that time over a year has passed and, and since then the pressure to make the decisions and move ahead has only um, become higher, as you all have heard from, from many out in, in the community. Um, we've received uh, many letters. We, in the last uh, couple of days, even um, an influx of, of support uh, or moving commuter rail along, uh, which we distributed um, uh, to all of you, uh, including letters um, uh, from the marine industry as well, uh, a statement of, of uh, support for commuter rail and how to um, also look at that. Um, so it's important to the region. Um, you know, time is of the essence. And, and honestly, you know, one of the, the biggest uh, linchpins here is uh, a need for a cost-effective option to ensure the likelihood uh, that this project will actually be completed and become a reality. Our residents and visitors um, want and deserve action, um, and, and we're, we're all ultimately concerned if we don't act uh, promptly uh, that we'll miss out on, on a lot of uh, grant funding and other opportunities. Um, as I mentioned, uh, and in closing from my remarks, Mayor, uh, you know, the what I've heard from from the county's perspective is, um, and, and from many in the industry, is that cost effectiveness is, is one of the most uh, critical and, and paramount importance uh, to Broward and to its residents. Um, and we cannot lose sight um, of our need to ensure fiscal responsibility. Um, at this point, uh, Madam Mayor, I would like to um, 
uh, turn the conversation over to Kevin Kelleher, Assistant County Administrator, who has served largely as point um, for these day-to-day uh, -day, um, issues on this project uh, to give a brief, brief overview on the joint study um, of the New River Crossing alternatives. Thank you, Kevin. Good afternoon, Mayor Rich, Mayor Trentalis, and the, and the respective boards. Uh, I'm going to do a brief overview of the joint study between uh, the City of Fort Lauderdale and Broward County, how we got here today before we turn it over to the White House group. Um, so a little background in, in this history, um, and, and yes, the idea may have started, germinated 20 years ago, but in, in earnest about four years ago, um, in January 2020, uh, through the legislature, this, the state of Florida, uh, through the FDOT District 4, did a preliminary feasibility study that was done by Corradino and, and HDR. So this was the first study of, uh, that included how to cross the new river. Uh, then in January 2021, uh, about a year later, uh, Broward County and uh, FDOT signed an MOU to enter into the Broward Commuter Rail Program and have a project development and environmental study so that was initiated in January 2021 and completed in, in December of that year. In November of, of that year, uh, it was in, because there was some thought that the uh, costs from the initial um, um, feasibility study and the draft of the uh, second study by Cordino and HDR um, were excessive with respect to tunnel costs. It was an in independent review that was contracted for by not by the local FDOT, by the cent but by their central office, and there was an independent review that was done, and that was done by WSP. Um, in January of 2022, the Fort Lauderdale City Commission uh, adopted a resolution at that time urging FDOT to recommend the tunnel as a locally preferred um, alternative. In August of 22, the Broward Commission, um, you know, came forward and uh, approved the initial Broward Commuter Rail project for the southern portion, so it was BCR South, and started the federal fund process um, to go for the uh, BCR South, which will take us from the, the Miami border, having a stop in Hollywood, the airport, and the northernmost terminus would be around the, the uh, Broward Health 17th Street area, which was south of the, of the New River. Um, but at the same time, uh, about a month later, the commission adopted a resolution directing the county administrator to work with this uh, with the city of fort lauderdale um, and do a joint study of the new river crossing to once and for all try to get to a resolution on how to cross the new river um, i'm going to go into detail as to how we uh, we got to it but in march um, there was a kickoff meeting that was held with the white house group and then in august they completed their their study um, and uh, that was completed by the White House group and their team. Um, and their study, the, uh, the scope of work included uh, identifying cost-saving opportunities, interviewing the, uh, the operators, that would be Brightline, FEC, having capital costs, O&M, review the grant funding opportunities, NEPA, and having the, uh, the time frames for, for all this process. And, and the cost was, was split by both the county and the city. So how did we get to have White House Group? Uh, once, we, um, once there was a determination for the parties to work together on this, it was about September, October of last year, uh, city and county staff uh, met. Um, they worked together. They worked on a scope of work. 
they determined uh, the most appropriate approach would be to go through the, uh, the Broward MPO. Um, they had a library of firms. Um, the city of Fort Lauderdale had an existing uh, agreement with the Broward MPO. And what we did is we, we tagged onto that, went through that city agreement, and, um, and assist and work with MPO for that process. That process resulted in the White House group being selected and the uh, MPO, the city and the county worked directly uh, with the, each other on the selecting of the consultant as well as negotiating the task work order. An ILA was, was drafted up and signed by the city and county um, in February and March. And as I said before, the uh, kickoff meeting was held, began in March 13th uh, at the city offices. There was biweekly meetings uh, held during the study. Each, there were seven uh, task, um, tasks that were uh, part of the scope of work. Each deliverable was submitted to both the city and the county um, and, and approved by the city and county representatives which were identified in the ILA. The draft final report was submitted to both the city and the county on July 27th, and, and then the final report, after receiving those comments, was submitted on, on August 18th. Um, subsequent to that, we had talked about having a, a joint meeting. Unfortunately, um, the, uh, the city and the county's calendars couldn't um, work in the October timeframe. The county uh, had a workshop um, on October 10th, and um, then there was then there's been a couple of city meetings I believe on November 7th and November 21st that have now led us to this um, where we're here today where the White House group is is meeting and preparing to discuss with both the city and the county commissions together and present their joint studies and then have an active dialogue. And with that, I'd like to introduce the uh, President and COO of White House Group, Todd Brower. That's always so undignified when you have to lower it as low as I need to. Oh, and then it creaks while I do it. Um, and then I put on my reading glasses. So it's just, oh, oh, Kevin. Oh. Gosh, if I'm not in the hot seat as it is. Um, wonderful. And Kevin, does this work then? Yeah. It does work. Okay. Okay, great. So I don't have to wor worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and thank you for the introduction. Uh, Mayor, thank you. Mayors, thank you so much for having us. My name is Todd Brower with White House Group. I've got a wonderful team with me here that's going to answer all of your questions. But the first place that I want to start today is with a high-level summary of about 450 pages of technical documentation that we produced for this study. And then we're going to go into the discussion. I want you to hear it directly from the mouth of our experts to answer your questions. I want them to be available to you. We will be available here as long as you need us to be. All right, so, oh, Mike, you told me it was working. Here, I'll do, I'll do this. It's fine. I'll just do it this way. All right. So this summary is designed a little bit like what, what you saw Kevin do, where he took you through the scope of services. 
you saw that there was an order to it. We tried to also create this in a way where you could see the critical path where we were able to be informed with how then the next piece of the work uh, came forward. So this summary is very much designed exactly as we did the work itself. Um, so that was really, and I, we call it our process of discovery, because in the end, that was what our job was, was discovery. So that way we could provide you the information, the elected body to make decisions. That was our purpose, was to find the information, to collect it, to synergize it, and to put it in something meaningful where it was easy for you to be able to make decisions about this important project. So a little bit about the background, because the overall scope that we examined is just one element of a larger project. So when you're thinking about the new river crossing, it's one element of, just as everybody was talking, the extension of commuter rail to the north from the, the Broward Health Medical Center, going up north to the boundary. So those com uh, communities that would be north of, of uh, Fort Lauderdale. This project is referenced in the county's Primo plan and the alternatives to cross the new river again one portion of it had been developed and established as our study area so that was the magnifying that was the lens that we were looking for so we always had an image of a much larger project the extension of commuter rail but we were looking at three alternatives that were developed to cross the new river three bridge and one tunnel so with that our scope included six tasks and they did follow now there were some things that we did in line with one another we were able to do a couple of the tasks uh, at the same time but it, it has a logical flow to it and each one of these tasks though required specialized expertise and we brought those experts today with us to answer your questions they're available to you we start with Quandell Consultants, who is responsible for reviewing all the elements of the bridge alternatives, including cost-saving opportunities, inflationary impacts, and developing capital and O&M estimates for those three bridge alternatives. Jacobs was responsible for exactly the same effort, but with the tunnel. Clary then was tasked with identifying funding opportunities to, to how you pay for it. So the order of it, though, was as we talk about the collaboration being uh, the theme, that is exactly how we looked at it. This was a collaborative effort with, with you all staff, but also with the team, because the first place that we started, as you'll notice with task one, is conducting that overview, reviewing all the information, reviewing the designs, looking for those cost-saving opportunities, but also being aware that a lot had changed since the, la since the study had been done. Inflation had boomed, we know, during the summer of 2022, so there were a lot of things that we had to look at. But we got that flow where we were able to communicate together as a team, ask questions about the design, start to understand what the cost uh, savings options were, and then engage the actual owner of the asset. So Brightline Fortress, which owns the access rights uh, to the physical asset, which is owned by FECR or uh, the Florida Railroad, uh, Florida East Coast Railroad. Its uh, reporting mark is FEC. So when you see us going between the two, sometimes we're using the Federal Railroad Administration uh, code for that, that's FEC. Um, so not to get confused there. But ultimately then, once we had a sense of these are the cost savings that we're looking at, let's hear what the owner had to say related to it and then build our cost estimates from there. And then how would we pay for it? What are the options to bring money into looking at each one of these alternatives? And each one of these alternatives, it is important to note, we looked at with the same amount, with the same microscope as all of them. So our scope did not include developing new alternatives, nor did it have recommending an alternative. This was a fact-finding mission and updating and estimating cost estimates 
for both capital as well as O&M. And then our job was to synthesize all of it, to put it in plain speak, to get it into terminology that you could look at. Now, because no offense against my, my technical uh, team here, but we, we talk all the time. They're very much thinking like an engineer and thank you for doing that. But sometimes to be able to then translate that into action, into political action, we then look at that information and synergize in a certain way. So that's what White House Group's job was. So you had Quandel, who was doing the bridges, Jacobs, who was doing the tunnel, Clary, who was looking at funding and financing options, and then White House Group that was looking at uh, the NEPA uh, expert, or sorry, we have the NEPA expert here, but NEPA, what's the impact of the federal process related to it, and then bringing all those together. So these alternatives, these four that were developed, they were developed, and Kevin gave you a quick overview of it. They were developed as related to a, a, a previous process that included public engagement, that included evaluation. There was a lot of work that went into these four alternatives. We were asked to review them. We were looking for cost savings. We were looking at the design to say, where could we save money? Where are there maybe escalations? And then the estimation of the actual cost and not just in today's dollars, but looking at it as year of expenditure. Because obviously a candy bar today does not cost the same as it did 10 years ago. Even if we look at the Miami Tunnel that was uh, completed in 2014, that cost would look something very different. So we wanted to give you a better accurate picture of what would it look like if we took it out to uh, the year of expenditure. And then importantly, how do these alternatives impact the larger project, which is commuter rail to the north, in establishing the ability to get federal funding. These programs are very competitive. So all of those things went into play when we looked at these alternatives. So once we got a sense of what the cost savings were, well, our team of engineers and specialists, they have their ideas, but so do the actual owners of the asset. So we interviewed Brightline, we, we interviewed FEC, and we asked them about the cost saving opportunities. Um, different techniques that we could use. Um, we also asked them about each one of the alternatives, what their thoughts were, uh, what did they see as challenges, what did we need to be aware of, because we're now finally getting everybody on the same page talking, and again, with the, with the actual owner of the asset. So that was the engagement that we had with them to understand it. So we did it with both Brightline and FEC. And with that then, we were able to create our estimates. So we got a sense of all the opportunities that we were looking at to also understand cost escalation. Then at the same time though, it was very important for us to understand what is the operator, the owners of the asset. They gave us direction there. That then culminated in the estimates that you see before you. These estimates were developed at a class four international standard of accuracy. So we're not looking at just back of the napkin. This actually has an industry standard that we had to follow, which we did. And that was part of the approved scope of work, which I have to thank both the city and the county for giving us a scope that had very clear direction about what the level of accuracy was that you were looking for. All the cost estimates, again, are in that year of expenditure. So when you're looking at this, you're looking at the capital costs and the O&M costs for each one of the alternatives. All right. The more expensive an alternative, the more difficult it is to get federal funding. And primarily, again, because we're looking at the entire project, we're not talking about the new river crossing, we're actually talking about the extension of Broward County Rail all the way up to its northern border. So not only does it become more difficult, but you also now have higher degree of scrutiny when you put together your applications. 
So we have to look at all of those things because these are incredibly competitive programs. And I know some of you have already heard me talk about, you know, what's the highest award that's been given? What's the average award? You know, for Mega, we're looking, the last cycle was $130 million. Uh, and you saw that RaiseDisc came out. Its cap is $25 million. Infra, um, I believe the, what is it, Lowell? It is 100, 100 that's about the highest level? Okay, so 100 million. So we see that we got some real challenges to be able to fill the gap for that, for funding these projects. Thank you, Lil. Well, with federal money comes strings, right? Somebody's going to write a check, they're going to have a say about it. So USDOT requires a process to look in detail at the project and understand its impacts on the human, the built, the natural environment. It includes additional public outreach, it includes evaluation of a no build alternative. The result is a federal finding. So they're basing it off of local information, but they're actually the ones that do the finding related to it. So that's the process that would be required uh, should you choose to go the federal route. And it can be up to two years extending the life of the project to be able to move it forward. So with that, we put together a summary so you could look at them side by side to understand each one of them, um, the costs, what the funding options are, what the Brightline and FEC perspectives are, and then a rough order of magnitude on the project delivery timeframe too. So that way you kind of got a sense of how far out are we looking at to develop something. We also put together something that was more illustrative so that way you could see how do each one of the alternatives fit with the overall project and what the project sponsor would need to do to move these forward. And the more complex it gets, the greater the time frame becomes. So that's how the interaction with the alternative and the larger project work together. So with that, I've got the subject matter experts. So I have Jeff, who is the Director of Structural Engineering. If you'd raise your hand, stand up. He's with Quandell. He can answer all your questions on the bridge alternatives. For the tunnel, I have Brandy Creed, who is Jacob's local liaison. She's a rail engineer. And I'm very excited about this. Nick Chen, who is joining us, who is the engineer of record for the Miami Tunnel. So this is the individual that signed and sealed those plans for the Miami Tunnel. He's the only living one to do that in 50 years. So it's not conjecture when he was working on this project, it's from Florida experience in developing a project uh, and a tunnel. So he can talk about his experience as well. And then we also have uh, Ben who is also here. He is the national estimator, uh, transportation estimator for Jacob. So he looks at this on a national scale. He's responsible for looking at the accuracy of it to make sure that it's hitting uh, the class four requirement. And then Lowell who is here, uh, to talk about grant opportunities, you probably know him. He's been involved with Florida for some time. He was FDOT CEO. He's been involved with funding on many levels. In fact, I think even SunRail, you were, you were involved in that one as well. So he has real-world experience in developing commuter rail within Florida. Also, I have Wade White, who is our NEPA expert. So he and I, uh, actually, Wade was our project manager. One of the first projects that we won at White House Group was an FTA New Starts reviewer. He was our project manager for that, so he knows the CIG process and he knows NEPA quite well. So that is the team of experts that you have ready for you, ready to answer your questions, and ready to roll up their sleeves and get to work. Mayors? Uh, the procedure right now is I, I'm going to defer to uh, our guests to have their folks ask questions. First so, Mayor, you, did you not, uh, your previous workshop, did you already have this presentation when, when we were not there? Is, did, you, did, did you already make this presentation to 
the county? Uh, most of it. There were a couple adjustments that we made because there was questions about who had done what on e on the study itself. But the basis of it, it's exactly the same as what they had seen. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. So All we're right. Gonna, let me just answer Senator Geller's yeah. questions. So we're going to defer to our guests, let them ask questions, and then we'll move to our members. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you, Mayor. Um, uh, if it's okay, let me just start out, and then I'll defer to uh, each, each of you if you have additional questions. First of all, thank you so much for you know, taking the time today and being part of this uh, program. I think that uh, when the mayor and I both uh, made our opening remarks, the intent is uh, before the end of the day, let's hope that we can come to some kind of conclusion to be able to bring this project forward. Um, so originally when this project was uh, first discussed, uh, the idea of a commuter rail service. Uh, the idea of bringing it through Fort Lauderdale just didn't seem to be that complicated until we started realizing the impact it would have on our downtown. And uh, it was at that time, under the previous uh, county administrator, in which we had conversations regarding bridge versus tunnel. In fact, tunnel wasn't even discussed, it was just bridge. At that time, I realized uh, that, the, um, that the bridge alternative uh, is going to be very complicated to implement within a flourishing downtown which already has a significant amount of investment taking place and which also um, uh, I found and others found that the um, that the construction of a bridge uh, through the middle of this development area would uh, have negative impact but we'll get to that in just a moment I just want to ask a few questions regarding um, the study so um, regarding the uh, bridge versus tunnel study. I noticed that there were three uh, bridge alternatives studied and only one tunnel alternative. Um, and that tunnel alter alternative talked about a three and a half mile tunnel. Can we not like interrupt what's going on here right now? Thank you. No, no, that's us. We don't need to. Yeah, I, I understand. Okay, okay, all right. I just, okay, it's just, okay, okay, all right. Let's go. Okay. So, so originally when this when this New River Crossing was was discussed, okay, but originally when this New River. Originally, when this new river crossing was discussed, um, it was at that time that I realized that the uh, bridge alternative uh, was uh, was really the focus of what the county had wanted and what FDOT had wanted. So when I introduced the idea of a tunnel, we, we tried to consider not just the, um, the opportunity that a tunnel would have to facilitate the, uh, the, the commuter rail service, but also how it would positively impact the already existing uh, commuter rail, commuters uh, traffic going east-west, vehicular traffic. It was at that time that I suggested, uh, for conversation purpose at the beginning, like what if we brought the tunnel under Sunrise Boulevard and brought it under Davie Boulevard? So we had a, we had a, a tunnel that would go from uh, north to south in that distance. If you uh, measure the distance between Sunrise Boulevard and Davie Boulevard, it's 2.2 miles. So I'm not quite sure where the extra mile and a quarter came from. And I think that that certainly adds significantly to the cost of construction because it's almost a third more than what was originally contemplated. So I bring that up mainly because 
multiple, I, multiple lengths could still be contemplated. It doesn't necessarily have to be the distance between Sunrise and Davy. And why we ever got to three and a half miles, I have no idea where that came from. Um, I don't even think it was contemplated originally by FDOT, but be that as it may, um, I think that needs to be understood that the city of Fort Lauderdale never contemplated a three and a half mile tunnel. It was only between Sunrise and Davie, which is two and a quarter miles. Um, furthermore, uh, I think it would add to, this, to the conversation in a, in a very uh, um, uh, supportive way just to perhaps contemplate alternative distances for the tunnel. If, if, if the two-mile tunnel is too expensive and too long, uh, we should consider a, small, a, a, a smaller tunnel, maybe, maybe a mile and a half. Um, you know, the opportunity here is not just about tunnel versus bridge. It's about also um, contemplating how it's going to impact our downtown. Uh, we have a significant amount of vehicular traffic that is going to be impacted by 60 to 80 new trains a day uh, that are going to frustrate traffic that's going to take place in our downtown. Uh, the, and, and that becomes a big issue for us. Now, uh, we, we talked about um, the marine industry, and the marine industry is also part of this conversation. It's also part of the east-west uh, traffic. The marine industry is the lifeblood of my city and of the region. And um, we, can, we have to consider whatever alternative that we decide to cross the New River, that we cannot do anything to frustrate their, that industry, that economy. Um, it's not just about the boat show. It's about a 12-month out-of-the-year operation that we as a, as a city have to consider in terms of trying to ensure that that industry maintains its vitality. Um, you know, there are a lot of, in, a lot of things that uh, your report talks about. Um, but one of the things I want to bring up is uh, <laughs> I want to clarify a couple of things. Um, Monica, you um, published an op-ed piece, which I want to just, just bring up a couple of points, which I want to be sure that we're all on the same page here. Well, let me find that. <clears throat> now, Now, there are a couple of statements here that I maybe, Todd, you can clarify for us if you could. On Monica's letter? Well, there, she makes references to your study, so I just want oh, okay. to make sure that we're clear. Yeah, I just want to make sure that I understood. Yeah, I, I understand that. Okay. Um, uh, according to the White House group, who authored the most recent uh, joint city-county study, the FECR indicated that a tunnel would be unsuitable for them. Um, now, FECR is the freight line, correct? Correct. All right. Um, they've never indicated they wanted any change from what their existing operations were. So not only is the tunnel unsuitable for them, but so is a bridge. They don't intend to do anything to change their existing operations. Is that is that correct? That is correct. Okay. So when the statement was made that FECR indicated the tunnel would be unsuitable for them, so would a bridge. Yes, with one caveat, but what let's caveat? let's continue. What is the so, caveat? So one of the things that the team looked at from the standpoint of feasibility and, and looking at cost 
possibilities. There was something that Quandell was able to discover where you could split uh, the two bridges and do flanking bascule bridges. Uh-huh. So you could not disrupt them and still be able to meet either one of the heights. Because I think what's very important, though, Mayor, too, to realize is that this team did not look at it as tunnel versus bridge. All four alternatives are an option. Neither of them are versus the other. They're just different alternatives. I understand. So what they were able to find was is that they could work off of any of those heights uh, with the bascule bridges, 56 or 25, basically flanking it because one of the most important things that FEC told us was do not disrupt our operations. So we were able to find a solution looking at bascule bridges that did that. Right, but but the last the last representation that they made, FECR made, was that they don't want any of their any of their operations interfered with, and they don't intend to. It's not they don't intend to um, navigate their trains over a bridge, is what they had indicated to us. Correct, but the flanking bridges actually allow you to then solve the passenger rail by having them flanking. I'm not dis- just I'm not disputing that. I'm just talking about FECR right now. Okay. I'm not yeah. talking about passenger rail. Yeah, so it leaves their operation intact. Correct. Okay. It says, other active participants in this years-long debate include all the municipalities near FECR, the corridor, the Marine Industries Association, the Broward Workshop, the Downtown Development Authority, and numerous business and civic organizations, as well as commuters and visitors. While that statement is true, it suggests that they support the bridge alternative. And as you know... And as I have here in front of me, I have letters of support on behalf of each one of those organizations for the tunnel. The tunnel is supported by the Broward Workshop, by the uh, Greater Fort Lauderdale Chamber of Commerce, the uh, Greater Fort Lauderdale Alliance, uh, as, as well as over 30 stakeholders of developers, neighborhood associations, and, and uh, uh, other civic organizations that opined on this issue, and all of them include anywhere from the, uh, from the neighborhood associations such as Flagler Village and Lake Ridge, uh, developers such as Ossie Symbol uh, and Jim Ellis, uh, uh, the F- Austin Foreman, Miles Foreman, George Hanbury, Steve Hudson, uh, the list three dozen of them. Okay. Uh, the Downtown Development Authority, also in support of the, of the, uh, the tunnel approach. So. A lot of what we talk about is, yes, we're going to talk about the, fee, the fiscal aspects of it, you know, bridge versus a tunnel, but there are aspects of this that go beyond just uh, dollars and cents. It talks about impact on the communities and, and, and how that will change the whole dynamic of what we're trying to create downtown. I know that wasn't part of your study. I know that there are other studies that we're going to engage others to talk about that, including dividing communities. You know, Fort Lauderdale has been a divided community for decades between those who live on each side of the tracks, trying to prevent and, and eliminate those those divisions. So, um, and then there are a couple of other things that you talked about in your study. Quote, the new bascule bridge and approach spans would have, const- been, have to be constructed so far west of the existing bridge that the resulting impacts to the adjacent marina, marina business and public facilities would be extensive and probably controversial. So that would have to do with the taking of land, would it not? It would not necessarily be takings. Because at this point, a design, you wouldn't call it takings. You might look at impacted parcels, but the design isn't far enough along to actually know what the impact would be. So as the, de- the design matures, 
then you'll do value engineering and you'll look at those other options. So you could have a situation where you'd have no parcels impacted. Okay, so you're saying that the bridge could be built without any taking of any property? Uh, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the design isn't far enough along to know that answer. So you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have included that in your cost estimate then? Uh, it actually is part of a contingency. Okay. So you do consider the potential for impacted properties as part of the contingency, correct? Okay, so you have a dollar figure for both the bridge? Okay. We do. That is, in, that is actually in our contingency. Okay. Substantial right-of-way requirements beyond the FEC West property limits are required. Substantial. Further, in the two-block stretch between the river and the existing Fort Lauderdale Brightline Station, where Fort Lauderdale Historic District is located, the right-of-way needed would impact Southwest 2nd Avenue and access to businesses fronting the avenue, along with the Riverfront Marina, which is a new project, as well as the River Walk. Okay. Okay, got it. Thank you. I just need clarification. So, again, substantial right-of-way acquirements are going to be considered. Is that is that not true? So, under the design as it is now, that uh -huh. is correct. That's where, again, our job is to look for cost savings, and that is what the Quandell team, in finding the flanking bridges, it removes that uh, possibility. Okay. Um, can I ask Mr. Chen a couple of questions? Sure. Can you come up to the podium? Mr. Chen, thank you for your good work in Miami. Yeah, no uh, problem. Uh, are you also, were you also involved in estimating the operating costs of that tunnel on an annual basis? Have you been involved in that at all? Uh, okay, not at the beginning, but eventually I, they asked me my opinion, and then that's the reason I look into the estimate, and then... No, I'm talking about the Miami Tunnel. Oh, Miami Tunnel, okay. Uh, the Jacob's involvement in the uh, Port Miami Tunnel we are the part of the design build team. So we are the consultant to the, uh, to the contractor. So we are not really the engineer estimate for the owner. So that is a separate company. That's a separate company. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. So you were not involved. So right now you have no understanding as what, what the operating costs of that tunnel are today? The operation, the op because it is a P3 projects, right? So there's a, there's a con of the consortium uh, to design, build, maintain, and operate right. the, the tunnel. So the, the O&M cost is just part of that commission, the, the commissioning, the 35 years. So I don't know exactly the detail of, of the percentage of the O&M, right, is because anyone, of the is, is anyone on your team, Todd, uh, familiar with, the, uh, with what the uh, current operating costs are of the Miami Tunnel? We're trying to get an understanding of how you came up with the three billion dollars for operating a tunnel. Okay, so uh, we're going to bring Brandy up for that question, and sure. then uh, Ben is here as the estimator as well, so he's right. part of that process. Right. Well, Mayor, my name is Brandy Creed with Jacobs. Um, for the O and M cost that you see, it's a cumulative fifty-year cost. Um, the reason why it seems that high, not much higher than, than the bridge, is because there are a lot of uh, uh, fire suppression, there's ventilation, there are other systems that the tunnel includes, and that was included in the O&M cost. And it also includes the replacement of certain capital assets 
through the life of, of the tunnel during those 50 years. So that's where that cost came from. Right, so you're, you're estimating approximately $50 million a year to, to operate and maintain the tunnel. Um, I don't know if that's the average, but uh, we, we did well, come up. Well, if you up figure 50 into 3 billion, say it's 70 million. I mean, that, so I, I wanna know, you know, that's a lot of money. It is. So you're telling us that that's, that's a standard. And that's why I wanted to know what the operating and maintenance cost is for the Miami tunnel, mm -hmm. since it's the exact same thing we're considering. It's a tunnel. And, uh, uh, and we want to know where you got your estimates from. What, what was your comparison? Uh, what local tunnel did you compare with? The only local tunnels there are in Florida happen to be right here. First of all, the Fort Lauderdale tunnel, which comes nowhere near that operation and maintenance cost, okay? And, and the Miami tunnel. So I want to know how you compared that and what was your base, your standard that you used to make that comparison? Yeah, we, we pulled information from average costs that we have in other projects currently uh, for O&M. And that's where those numbers came from. So nothing from locally from Not Miami? Not necessarily from, from Miami. Or correct. from Fort Lauderdale? Correct. Okay. So we don't really know what the local costs would be. You just you just extrapolated from other projects somewhere else in the world, I guess? That are current in the U.S. In the U.S. Yes. Okay. All right. Good. Um, so... Hey, Mayor, can I, can I answer one of your previous questions sure. about the length of the tunnel? Yes, sir. The, the well, can you talk into the microphone? Yes. Okay. Uh, apologize. No problem. Uh, the length of the tunnel, I think, previously you quoted, say, is 3.5 miles. I uh, need to be clarified. The alignment for the tunnel is about 1.75 miles. But because it's twin ball, right? So that's the reason you think it is a 3.5, because it's two tunnels. The total length, the, the total length of the tunnel is 3.5 miles. But actually, the alignment across the New River is about 1.75 miles. So that's just a question. Cr I don't think I understand what you're saying. Each one going each way. Each, each one is one So if you double 1.7 is three. Because you have two tunnels. You have two. You have one going one way, one going okay. the other. Yeah, you have, you have So two. that's where you come up with the 3.5. That is the reason it's okay. 3.5. Okay. Yeah. The so, actual, if you do, so if you do a single bore tunnel, the cost it, would be less. Yeah, is it 1.75? So it would just be the cost of 1.7. Yeah, probably. Okay, if you really try to compare the twin ball to single ball, all right, the single ball, the alignment will be a little bit greater than 1.75 mile. The reason, because the, the, the single ball, the tunnel is bigger, then once you gain to under the, the river, it will be deeper. So the length will be longer, a little bit. Yeah, but he's also asking not just the length, the cost. The cost isn't the same between <laughs> a double bore and a single bore. Do you want so to make a comparison? <laughs> yeah, and actually, so the question would be, uh, May, the mayors. Uh, Nick has actually put together some information because he had put put together. He was the engineer of record for Miami. He actually has some comparison information for you, so you can see a single bore versus a double bore. Okay. If you'd well, like to see that. Well, we have comparison information too, so I'll bring that up. I'll bring that up after your presentation. But okay. But um, uh, but but basically, it was never a three and a half mile tunnel. It was just two tunnels at one point seven miles. Okay. Well, that. That helps clarify things yeah. because that was never really laid out here in the in the uh, at least I, I didn't I didn't detect that. Okay, so thank you for clarifying that. Mayor Trentalis, can we just get a point of information when you're asking your questions? When you're comparing a train tunnel with what we're proposing with 
what they're doing in Miami or what they have over here, which is not train. And it, what's it, you talked about operation and maintenance. I'm assuming that there's differences because you're putting a train through one and the others. Like I think in Miami Tunnel, it's just ve vehicular. A, Correct. don't they close that down under certain weather conditions in its entirety? I thought that there was some kind of difference. All right. The the Pool Miami Tunnel is a highway tunnel. Okay, so it's a highway tunnel. Uh, the length, again, the length for for the Pool Miami Tunnel uh, is is one way is about four thousand feet. One way four thousand feet, but you have a two, right? Northbound, southbound. So you have a, you have a two tubes. Uh, the inside diameter of the tunnel is thirty-seven feet, so it's pretty big. That is very compatible, say single ball to our double ball. And answer the highway tunnel question to the uh, a train tunnel. The difference there are many things different. All right, one is a signal. Right for for a train, uh, you have a signal. You have the uh, I would say uh, probably some some section you have to know where the train is. So you have a different signal. Just make it very simple. You the signal is different, but also the track bed. Right, you you have a rail. You have a, say direct fixation uh, a block, and the highway tunnel does not have it. So when we try to compare the highway tunnel to this twin ball tunnel. Then we need to add some additional cost, such as the signal communication, and also the I would say the track bed. That that's pretty different. But also this a twin ball tunnel. I think the costs are presented by Todd, that including uh, underground station. So the Port Miami tunnel does not have a station. So that that is I'm just trying to uh, make some comparison. If we try to make. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Um, so uh, I'm going to defer now to, if it's okay, Mayor, yeah. I defer to some of my uh, commissioners. Uh, there are two commissioners whose district that this directly impacts, so we'll start with uh, Commissioner Sturman. Uh, this directly impacts your district, and, and also you're an engineer, I understand. Yes, and I'm on the MPO with you. Yes. Um, first of all, I just want to make a couple statements. First of all, mayors, thank you so much for, for having us. I'm honored to be here with everybody. Um, number two, um, the, I do all things equal, all things equal, the city of Fort Lauderdale truly would love to have a tunnel. That's our first, second, and third choice. If there's any way we could have a tunnel, that's something we would really want to have but you know, there's some issues that are coming up here and I realize that our interest is subordinate to the county so we have to whatever we do we have to work together and that's going to be my number one focus working with the county whatever decision we have you know we want the tunnel but going forward time is of the essence and we have to come to a consensus whatever we need to do to get this forward that's not something we voted on that's my personal feeling um, I have a couple questions but, and, and can I ask uh, a Phil at some point, or just this is just for uh, for White House? Oh no, of DOT oh, no. or a couple other people. While I'm the there. MPO is so, also so, available, right? So if they want to, um, am I missing something, or did we not talk about cost comparison? Did we discuss we that? We haven't gotten there yet. We haven't, we haven't gotten there yet. yet. Oh, but you can bring it up. <laughs> you, you bring it up. Oh, let's talk about cost comparisons. Well, I mean, that's like well, like, we're trying to determine mm -hmm. cost because mm -hmm. while we were talking. Uh, someone mm -hmm. sent to me information mm -hmm. saying that the Miami Tunnel, mm -hmm. the maintenance cost for 30 years is $200 million. Mm -hmm. All right. uh, Lowell, I think you were looking up. Mm -hmm. Did you, did that confirm the information that you had? 
Uh, could you please repeat the, the yeah, comment? So, so information that was given to me while, while we were talking was that the maintenance cost for the Miami Tunnel over 30 years is $200 million. Wait, over now, you've, you've 30 years or 30 what's years, been done so 30 far? years, that's the estimate. So you right. indicated that over the 50 years it would cost $3 billion, which yes. is um, you know, a significant difference. Yeah, Ben, our estimator can answer that question. Yeah. Let's hope I can answer it. I think I just want to, um, good afternoon, everyone. I'm Ben Camp with Jacobs, uh, the capital cost estimator. And I just wanted to shed some light on the difference or the discrepancy between O&M costs. I didn't prepare them, but if we're talking 200 million for the Port of Miami tunnel, it's probably, you have to have an apples to apples comparison. So that dollar figure is probably in the 2010, 2011 timeframe for a current dollar escalated to the year of expenditure. If we talk the three but billion- wouldn't we have 10 years worth of experience to corroborate whatever estimate, the estimate that was? Wouldn't we have a 10 years of experience, 12 years of experience to determine whether or not that, that, that figure was, could be corroborated? Absolutely, and there are tunnel projects like this around the country that can be used for um, triangulation of these costs. The point I wanted to make is that the three billion in O&M costs is a future cost, and it's 25 years out, which is 50, 50, 50 years out. So the midpoint of construction is, I don't know what that factor is, but the cost in current dollars is probably closer to 1 billion. So what would be the cost of O&M for the bridge, any of the bridge designs then? Do we know that? Okay, I'll turn it back. Yeah, let me bring the slide back. Oh, and I've got, so that way you can see them compared with one another. Mm -hmm. Yep, so. Okay. Now, the other thing, too, that I want to point out, because, again, what's important to this conversation is, is it an apples-to-apples -apples comparison? And I think that's what Ben was trying to point out, is what we were always trying to do was make sure that that's why we looked at year of expenditure. What are the dollars that you would actually spend, not based off of last year, or this year, but 50 years in the future? That uh, cost also, though, includes sickle capital. So you're going to have to replace things. Just like in the station Nick was uh, mentioning, you're going to have to replace escalators. You're going to have to replace fire suppression. You're going to have to replace electrical. There's a lot of things that you are going to have to replace ventilation that you wouldn't on the bridge. Some of the, that's some of the reasons why you're actually seeing the numbers as high as they are is because the sickle capital is very expensive on a tunnel. Yeah, but, but wasn't also the life expectancy different as well? Wasn't the life expectancy estimated to be twice as much as a bridge? So if you, in 75 years, if you had to tear down the bridge to rebuild it, what are we looking at as a cost in 75 years? We're looking at tens of billions of dollars. So, I mean, let's be real. Let's, you know, hmm? we want to compare apples to apples. Let's realize that the life expectancy of a tunnel is significantly more than that. You don't rebuild a tunnel. A tunnel is there. So the bridge, the bridge, bridges do well, come down. And they, and they do have a life expectancy. And all the estimators, all the consultants, yours and ours have estimated that the bridge has a, a shorter life expectancy right. than a tunnel so in 75 years if we're going to rebuild this tunnel excuse me rebuild this bridge we're talking about money in 75 years from now which is crazy yeah uh, i just want to make one uh, yeah please note the om cost i think uh brandy mentioned is purely a material cost 
but actually there is a substantial cost in the labor, okay? Material usually f people think about, okay, I'm gonna replace the fan, I'm gonna replace these utilities, but actually there is a team constantly maintain the tunnel. And that's wherever you go to the OM cost estimate for the, for the tunnel, there will be some people, okay? The cost of the people to maintain that tunnel probably is around the magnitude of about 20 people. So the salary of the 20 people in multiplied by 50 years, that is pretty significant. The majority of the cost, you know, uh, unless say, you know, every 10 years, 20 years, you have a major rehabilitation, but you will labor, don't, don't forget about the labor. So sometimes if we say, okay, the OM is this amount of money, need to think about it, does it including the labor or not? So that's something we need to clarify. Yeah, just one thing on the life expectancy of a bridge. I mean, everybody likes to say 75 years. Normally, on a highway bridge, we're replacing it in 75 years. But that, you know, again, I'm from Chicago, so we got road salt, we got everything else. I inspect, I have over my career thousands of railroad bridges. I've I still inspect 130-year-old railroad bridges with original steel that aren't falling down, and the railroad's not knocking on the door saying, we got to replace it. So to put a number like, 75 years, I mean, a, highway, a railroad bridge that's carrying commuter rail, which is lighter than freight, and isn't going to have, you know, it's not going to be two-mile-long trains with, you know, hundreds uh, of 286-kip cars that are beating it to death. Kip just means 1,000 pounds, so 286,000-pound cars that are beating this bridge to death. It's commuter rail. So, you know, what we're saying is 75 years is probably going to be more like 100, 125 years. And... If we are making replacements, it's not the entire bridge. We're not, e even the bridges we replace now, we're not replacing the, the piers, the substructure units, piers and abutments. We're maybe replacing the superstructure, the beams. Um, you know, you got salt there or whatever. I mean, that, that'll affect it. But as far as being billions of dollars, I mean, if you're building a bridge, you know, for say the Bascule Bridge is 25 million now, it's not going to be a billion dollars, I don't think, even in 30 years, 40 have, years. Have you noticed around the country, that cities are taking down their bridges and and either doing sub subsurface or surface uh, modes of transportation, or is, are you not seeing any of that? I, I'm not seeing that in Chicago. I mean, I, well, I did design I did design Chicago. three tunnels. <laughs> I did design three tunnels at O'Hare Airport, so I am familiar with tunnels, right. and I'm familiar with landing 1.25 million pound aircraft on the tunnel. Right. So I'm used, to, I'm used to that, and I'm used to the maintenance of that. Uh -huh. I oversaw the construction of it, so I'm very familiar with tunnels. Uh -huh. um, so I can't speak on that. Um, so in other cities that... that but there, I mean, if you're, what I am seeing in a lot of cities is people building underpasses. So we're actually building bridges. We're putting the railroad on a bridge, and we're lowering the street underneath the railroads so that we're accommodating the railroad, and we're preventing the city from being separated into two people. To, uh, sections. So is, you're an advocate of underpasses then? Uh, yeah, but that's still a bridge though. I mean, that's, and I'm not an advocate of bridges, okay? That, I don't want to come off as that. Like I said, I, I've designed tunnels. I inspect bridges, I inspect tunnels, I, I, I mean, I do all that. So okay, now. I, was, I was only tasked with evaluating the bridge portion of this project. Uh -huh. I was not tasked with giving an opinion as to whether or not I think a bridge is the right option or a tunnel is the right option. We came up with the idea of having two flanking spans because we were told about the historic district 
and you know what not and not impacting that and we also realized that the original study wanted to move the existing bascule bridge over which would actually put freight closer to those new high rises that are being built along the river and the closer you move a freight track to a, a building the more vibration you're going to see but if you put it if you're going to put commuter rail up in the air that's lighter rail less impact to the buildings so you know the, the original study when, when you when you're making comments that you see in our report that's based on the original study of shifting the, the existing fec over which they've said they're not fecr really, fecr i'm sorry and putting the the uh commuter rail on the opposite side we came up with the fact or with the idea that they said they didn't want their operations impacted or touched so we would put one bridge on the east side one bridge on the west side now we're almost within a right of if you look at some of the exhibits i think which which uh tech memo was it one i think it's in the appendix of tech memo one we show that literally we are bordering the right-of-way line on the west or on the yeah the west side of the tracks the only time we really go in across the right-of-way line is at the on the river and there's no historic district in the water it's as soon as we get over the river our tracks are moving in so you're talking about building two bridges now two bridges but they're only single track half the material which means we're really not escalating cost the only escalation in cost will be you're going to have twice the equipment to operate a bascule bridge and mm, twice the substructure so these prices here are for uh, the these are bridges? the original study these are our evaluation of the original two-track bridge study it doesn't have the prices of our concept ours was a value-added concept that we said hey you know what we weren't tasked with coming up with a new concept but we saw the concerns that the city had with right away and not impacting the historic district and said you know what we can do it different and we can get railroad buy-in because we asked the railroad if they would buy into flanking bridges and they said yes they would if you don't touch our bridge we're happy so, so you're, talk, you're think, thinking of a bridge on either side of the existing correct. freight line? Two single track bridges, though. So, so, okay, interesting. So now that brings the rail that brings the rail bridge closer to the developments that are already there. Well, no, it, no, no, brings, on it brings only on the. Side. I know, but on the, but it on only the, brings one track of commuter rail, whereas the original study brought two tracks of freight rail over. Well, freight rail, E80. No, that was never going to happen because, no, because FECR would not permit study. that. that yeah, was I understand. Study. Well, by the way, I, I do want to bring up uh, Wade because that's really important, though, Mayor, to understand is just as Jeff was saying, our scope of work, which was approved by both the county and the city, were to look at the four alternatives that had been developed from 2020. So just as Jeff said. You just basically to corroborate FDOT's study. No, it's not to collaborate. It was to review. That was the whole purpose. Task one was to review it and look to see where there were cost savings. And more importantly, where could there be adjustments made that could be done? Not, none of which are contemplated in this study here. You, the oh, yeah. No, we looked at cost savings. Absolutely. I mean, everything from cut and cover to... Yeah, no, that was that was part of that study. Task one was to look at the four alternatives that had been developed under an interlocal agreement right. between Broward County and FDOT. FDOT has been assigned this technical work. They do the PD&E work, planning, design, and environmental. As part of that, then, these were our four, four alternatives that we started with. We reviewed them, though, with the mind of, is there anything that we can do to save money on all of them? Again, we didn't look at this as 
bridge versus tunnel. It was they were all equal. There was no alternative that we spent any less time on. Now, we did divide up how we looked at it because we knew that tunnels were specialized. And we had Jacobs on the team, which is one of the largest underground tunneling groups in the country. Mm-hmm. Over 900 people. We also had people then that were not just local uh, rail engineers, but we also had the Miami Tunnel engineer of record. We also had the National Estimator that is working on a project in New York as we speak. These are people with real-world experience related to it. But what Jeff is saying is, is after we had the conversation with FECR and they said, hey, disrupting our, our operations isn't going to work, we knew we had a challenge with the bridge. So they came up with very quickly saying, value add, hey, there's a way that we could get past this. So it's, a, it's not just a cost savings, but it's the ability to actually make the alternative uh, workable. Just, just as another point of information on that, no, I, I, got, I got to have that corrected. Is, 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 the FE, is the freight line never moving? It's always going to be exactly the way it is. What's the rationale for that? Because I can't get to the bottom of it. No matter what we do, the freight line is staying exactly as it is now? Correct, because they lose business. So what the problem is, is anything that, that disrupts their operation, and Wade can talk a little bit about his Florida experience with business mitigation, but it is a big deal for them. When we met with them, they said, do not impact our operations, even for a day yeah. if possible. They, they own the right of way. Okay. Yeah, so they are a There's nothing that we can do about that to even say, if we build this bridge, they're not coming on anything that we do. Yeah. So they are a sovereign. So they are basically at the level of... of the feds essentially so that's why you have to have an easement anytime that you want to cross them they're actually at the highest level okay. i have yeah so i wanted to just touch on a couple points if i could really quickly the um one of the questions was the duration of the project like 50 years versus 100 years versus 200 years and the sort two considerations i want to bring to your mind First is how you're going to pay for it and who's going to own that asset at the end of that time, right? So if you kind of think about it from a fiscal perspective, but equally important, if you're going for federal funding, you're going to look at something what's called a benefit cost analysis. And what that means is you're going to discount the future. How much is it? If I'm going to say I'm going to give you a dollar five years from now, how much are you willing to give me for that dollar now? Okay. You want to give me 20 cents or a quarter for me to give you a dollar five years? So that concept applies in the future. By the time you, and you're doing it at a 7% discount rate, that's required per, you know, per regs and everything else for every federal large project program. That value by 50 years is zero for all practical purposes. It doesn't matter what the useful life of the asset is because what's it going to be worth in 100 years? How much are you willing to pay for it 100 years from now? So that's an important concept that will come through in the federal evaluation. Okay. And then I would kind of also link that back to how long before you capitalize it yourself, when do you want to pay it off? In 50 years, 30 years, the life of the surtax? What's what's your goal? So you have to kind of align all those things and then make sense of them. And that's, like I said, you're good luck. But be aware, though, that over time, those things, the value, to, all of the value, cost and benefit, go to zero and given enough time, measured in today's dollars. Okay, thank you. Okay, let me, let, you want to okay let me continue. Okay, I was, I was saying at the beginning, um, and again, these are my feelings. I think that there is a benefit to the city, a huge benefit to the city. I think it's a benefit to my constituents who live downtown. I think it's a huge benefit that don't live downtown but do work downtown. As a city, we have to look at the community as a whole, Broward County, Oakland Park, uh, Pompano, Deerfield, and we have to look at the tri-county area. So it's not just us. We have to take a big picture of it. 
Um, I did, uh, Mr. City Attorney, I think at this evening's uh, meeting, just to give you a heads up, I am going to probably, uh, we discussed this earlier today, uh, put forth a resolution as a summary of what comes out here. So the city will have something that you could go on. That was my plan this evening, that we will put forth a resolution on our, our take. It's, apparently it's not appropriate here, but look forward to it in the evening. Um, let's take a look. Come here. 572, three buildings. Forget those other two over there for a second. Look at, look at the difference in price. And the question begs, um, how would we pay for that? I mean, I want that tunnel. I would love to have the tunnel, but the question is, how would we pay for that? I'll come back to that in a moment. We'll, come, we'll circle back. Let's go through a few other things. I've spoken to several stakeholders during the last several weeks extensively. Todd, we've met two and a half hours together. We've had several meetings since then. As Phil, I think Phil walked out for a second. Hopefully he'll be back. But, oh, Phil's oh, here. Oh, there he is. We've met several times. The MPO, uh, Greg and company, Greg and Greg Bryant, we've met several times. Um, spoke to Broward Workshop, and I spoke to Brightline. Now, I spoke to Brightline again several times. The last one was, I think, Thursday or Friday of this week. And let's make this simple. We talked about the options for the bridge. I said an 80-foot bridge, 55-foot bridge, a 25-foot bridge. As the mayor has pointed out, their one, their one stipulation is not to interfere with their operation, period. That includes during construction, and that includes finished product. Do not interfere with their operation. They're willing to do some tweaks, but one of the things that I don't know, and Todd, we spoke about this. We keep speaking to BC, uh, to FECI, which is Brightline, but I guess FECR actually owns the tracks. They own the land and own the rails themselves, and how much tweaking they have. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Some of the things that Brightline was telling me, and they could not be here, Take off the 80-foot bridge. Take it off. They're not going to agree to that. They told me this on Friday. I said, what about a 40-foot bridge? They go, nobody talked about a 40-foot bridge. But Phil with the marine industry, who I've spoken to several times, he indicated that 99% of the, of, the, of the water traffic could go under a 40-foot bridge. So take off the 25-foot bridge, because that's going to hit right into their escalators. And they're not going to go with the 25-foot bridge. They're not going to go with an 80-foot bridge. They were OK with a 55-foot bridge. I spoke about a 40-foot bridge, and they got back to me uh, like two days ago. That's a little too low. They need a little more clearance, so we're talking 45 to 50-foot. So let's just compare option two to option four, because one and three, Brightline won't allow it. We are subordinate to them, and if they say no, that's the end of that. Um, Phil, can I borrow you for a moment? You don't, am I allowed to do this? We do this to bring them on up? Which Phil are you talking about? Phil from Department of Transportation, Phil Schwab. Is that a, oh, this is, this is like, this is like Judge Judy. Listen to all this clutter. I didn't know, oh my God. Don't worry, Phil, it's not going to be any calculus, no math questions. These will be easy questions. Okay. These are things that we have spoken about at length. And um, Todd had mentioned that most of what he, uh, he had done in his study is based off of your calculations. You're like the guru. Um, you know everything about what's, what's uh, needed with tunnels as far as the state requirements. If you look at a cross-section, a cross-section at the very bottom, um, the, we have to go, and correct me if I'm um, it's mistaken, 25 feet below the bed of the river, correct? 
as it started 25 feet below the bed of the river. And I think the numbers that we had come up with uh, at grade level, the river's maybe four feet, so the, it starts at 55 feet below grade. Tunnel's about 25 feet, so the bottom is gonna be about 80 feet, give or take. Is that about correct? Yeah, again, Phil Schwab, in-house consultant at FDOT. As far as the depth of cover below the canal, I know in the feasibility study, I think they had five feet, and as they progressed the design, they realized that they needed more. They wanted to get uh, the diameter of the tube as far as the separation between the bottom of the canal and so forth. And that forced the profile. I think somebody mentioned about the profile. So when you do the single bore tube, it gets very deep. And so from a constructability standpoint, they went with the twin bore and they're using a 25-foot buffer between the top of that tunnel to the bottom of the canal. And bottom would be, I mean, the bottom, bottom, bottom is 80 feet below grade, give or take. 25 plus 30 feet for the well, that's 25 and yet it, it's 50 God, I think that's the number the, that we had come channel, up with. And right if now. the channel is right. 30 feet yeah. below grade, then yeah. it's 80 feet. And we spoke about grade. the grade the grade going up on either side when you come from the bottom is roughly 2%, maybe 3 if you get away from it. It's, it's somewhere in that range, correct? Yeah, the length of the tunnel, you got to realize the, the alignment of the existing corridor curves. No, I'm going to get to that in a minute. Okay. I'll get to that in a minute. So I'm not sure I understood. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> We've worked together on a few items, and I love working with you, but thank you for being here. Um, so if it was just straight, forget the curve, just straight, it's two, two maybe 3%. 3%. Okay. I was very excited when the DDA came up with a plan to make it shorter. It didn't have to go as deep, and, and as, it was going to be a lot less expensive. But apparently um, the numbers they came up with was a 5% grade, and that would be light rail. It would not be commuter rail. Is that what we had discussed, correct? Yeah, th those yeah. grades are closer to, to light rail. You bring up another issue, and the problem is, well, let me start with Todd, if I could bring you back. I hope, um, no, Chuck, no, no, woo, okay, Todd. Can I sit now, or? Yes, you may. I might call you back, though. I think Todd, I think we're good. Okay. Yeah, it's musical chairs. Okay. Uh, we spoke about a few things, and the question we came up with, and at one point you had alluded to it, and then we went back and forth, uh, the bright line, F-E-C-R, owns the rail. They own the dirt, they own the metal. Uh, they're the ones who could say if we could go underneath them. And at one point, it was communicated to us that we could have a tunnel, but it can't be directly under their rail. When I spoke to Brightline, they said that is actually not true. We will let you go underneath the rail. And the question is, um, I don't think we've gotten the final word from FECR if they will let us go directly under the rail. Is that Do we have an absolute answer that they say yes or no? Because that, that's a Huge question. Yeah, and that wasn't something that we, in our interview with them, that we asked specifically about that. And Nick, you may be able to ha to add some clarity to this. Um, but but correct. So ultimately, the important part that you were mentioning is you have Brightline that's owned by Fortress, that's actually owned by SoFi, the South mm -hmm. uh, Korean bank. Mm -hmm. That is who owns the access rights. Mm -hmm. The physical asset is owned by FECR, mm -hmm. which is owned by Grupo Mexico. Mm -hmm. So when you're really negotiating with one, you're negotiating with the other, too. Mm -hmm. So it's a different lens. But if Brightline, but, if Brightline says, okay, we could take it to the bank. And, oh, um, I, Lowell, actually, this uh, is where we need to bring our, our funding expert up here. Lowell? Oh, no, we'll get, okay, we'll you, get to that in or, a moment. Well, okay. Not off the hook so quick. Yeah, we have so – I hope everybody is buckled in because I, there's a lot of questions that we still have to answer here, right. but I'm, I'm still hearing, so go okay, on. Okay, um, Phil, I, I know I said sit down, but please, <laughs> you have to come back again. Oh, geez. Um, that length of – the length that we're talking about with the train, 
Does that exclude, and, and Todd, you might be able to answer that better. Does that include any offsets or curves underground, or that's a straight, that's assuming we go straight from one end to the other? For the, the Well, the, let me explain my question a little bit okay. in more detail. You're going to have to have a portal of entry and a portal of exit. And the question is, will the Brightline, FEC, not Brightline, FECR say you cannot touch their tracks? Or will they allow us to offset? And Brightline, when I spoke to them, I said it's something that might be remarkable. But if they say no, we're going to have to offset, and that's a term I use, our portal in and our portal out, meaning we're going to have to go to the side to go down there so we don't interfere with their tracks. And what we had discussed is as you bore underground, you cannot bore to the right and left. You have to go vertical, go, and then you have to go horizontal to line it up and then go down and back again. So issue number one is if we have to go horizontal and then we have to go vertical and then have to is that going to increase the length of the total tunnel so a lot of the geometry mm -hmm. and the lengths mm -hmm. uh, are going to be dependent on the existing alignment mm -hmm. and there's large curves to the north of the station mm -hmm. and so you can only you're limited in what you can do vertically while you're doing a horizontal curve mm -hmm. and so that somewhat sets mm -hmm. what you can do and where you mm -hmm. can come up and mm -hmm. when you come up there should be some assumptions that we can adjust the existing rail tracks left and right, mm. but we have to keep their operations going. So it's a phasing type of setup and mm. how that gets done. Mm. But you're going to have to create some separation to create the portals. And that's one of the biggest challenges regarding how you, how you come up, how you enter the tunnel and how you come up, because mm. that creates a lot of impacts. And you also, that's, to me, that's where you really get the division. Right, is that those portals, and you try and space those so that you don't close down a major street, mm -hmm. and you try and limit any street closures because that's really where you're separating those communities because they're connected by the crossroads now, because the freight line is basically going to remain. It may shift a little bit one way or the other, but it's staying at grade. So, that was one of the goals when we were setting the length of the tunnel and, and trying to accommodate a station north of north of the bridge or north of the, the crossing. And then also to the south, we wanted to make sure we had Tarpon River we w had to deal with, and then we didn't want to impact Davy Road. So actually, the tunnel concept that we had developed closed 15th Street south of Davy Boulevard for the portal. We, had, we couldn't keep 15th Street open. Okay. Let's talk on the north end. You touched upon this. Again, I'm not cross-examining you. You're our guest here. And I don't think, I, I thank you for being here. There's a lot of information, yeah. so I okay. appreciate the okay. commissioners. Um, one of the questions that Brightline, concerns they had, um, again, keep in mind, Warren, they do not Warren, want... I, Warren, I just want to ask you, because we have to get around the room, so if you could... Last question. A few last more question. questions. A couple last more questions. questions last one. Yeah, um, Brightline's very concerned about how you're going to put a platform under their station in the north, and that's going to have to be horizontal. Keep in mind, you can't have a grade, because your suitcases are going to slide to the back of the train. Um, and they're concerned that we're going to have to excavate. You can't bore for, to, to put in that station and the platform. Is that true? Or maybe, Todd, you might be able to answer that. Yeah, I mean, well, and you're reporting what they are concerned with, right. that they don't feel that that's, that's a possibility, and there's nothing that we've thought that's come up mm. to say that it's untrue. And I wouldn't want to use the word untrue, but what we know today, it seems like they know best related to that and that they were probably correct. I mean, how do you slice it? That Because it's horizontal, that will lengthen the, the tunnel length, too, because you're not going upgrade, you're flat for that duration of the... Yeah. I think that's the last of my questions. I do want to go back. Somebody else could ask how we're going to fund this. That's well, that's the well, big question. Commissioner Glassman, you're the other district commissioner. Well, he's the other district yes, commissioner. thank you, Mayor. Um, 
Again, also, Mayor Rich, thank you so much, uh, and to county administration and team. Uh, I'm really happy that we're here finally. Um, unlike my colleague to my left, I'm not going to ask a million questions because I'm not an engineer like he is. Uh, but I am going to just make a couple of comments and keep it kind of brief. Um, so for months and months and months, we've been reading so much and listening to so many presentations. Um, I did ask at our last city commission meeting for everything to be sent over to the county. Hopefully everyone received that. Uh, because we did hear excellent presentations on November 21 uh, from the uh, from FDOT, Lochner, Mooney, BDO, Aiken Gump. Uh, we also have reports from White House, and we have reports from all of those uh, groups that I just mentioned. Uh, we've really been studying this and really have been reading hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages uh, for quite a while now. I, I actually wish that we had more of these meetings so that we could have been talking um, together to see where we need to go. Um, because... We did have some really interesting new factual information at the November 21 meeting. Um, I was interested in learning more about what the DDA was uh, proposing in terms of uh, Dr. Gary Brierly uh, from Dr. Mole Incorporated. Um, I thought that approach was kind of interesting and worth um, fleshing out a little bit more. Um, I just want to say that I'm not so much concerned with so many of these very technical questions today, although we have all of these experts in the room, we have all of these experts not in the room, uh, and I'm going to rely on that expertise. What I am concerned with today is where do we go from here? Um, what, are, what are our deadlines to make decisions, and, and how do we walk down that path together? Because uh, I really do believe that we do need to walk down that path together. Um, I, I'm not so sure that we'll be able to take advantage of funding that we need um, if the federal government sees that we're not unified um, in our approach. Uh, I would remind everybody that years ago, if you look at the history of the Kinney Tunnel in Fort Lauderdale, same kind of debate, same kind of angst, same kind of controversy, um, very split vote. I think it went actually to the residents for a vote pretty much 50-50, uh, but the tunnel did prevail. Um, not the wishes of the uh, parent of the Sun Sentinel at that time, what a surprise, uh, but the Miami Herald folks actually did uh, want that tunnel. Uh, so that was an interesting, interesting debate years and years and years ago. Uh, people should study that. Aren't we all happy um, that we have that tunnel now under, uh, under Las Olas Boulevard? Um, so what I would say is, this is a generational project that we're facing. This is not a decision to be made lightly. This is a decision that's going to have incredible ramifications for generations to come, way past any of us um, in this room. Um, and we have to really make sure that we're doing the right thing. Um, cost is so important. Um, but again, at our November 21 meeting, I did hear some interesting approaches to funding, um, and I felt encouraged. I want to hear more of that discussion, uh, because I am convinced in my discussions uh, with folks in my district and also others in the city of Fort Lauderdale um, that the overwhelming majority uh, really wants to see us make a tunnel happen and do what it takes um, to make a tunnel happen. We have to get this right. Uh, we have to get this right because, again, this is going to impact us for many, many years to come. We have to have the foresight, we have to have the vision, uh, and we have to make sure that we're doing what's going to be important um, going forward. So those are my concerns. Um, and I want to see us be able to work. I believe that FDOT did tell us that we're looking at maybe um, a timeline of a February crunch date, if I remember, at our November 21 meeting. Bill, I think you said that um, February was our 
uh, drop dead deadline on that. Uh, so those are my concerns. Uh, after we leave today, uh, where do we go from here? Uh, how, how do we walk down this path together? Um, and how do we make this happen so that all of the governments that we're going to be looking to and others for funding on this project see us as a unified voice um, and, and not just disagreeing amongst ourselves? Because I really think that's going to impact uh, exactly how we fund this project. So again, uh, Mayor Rich, congratulations on your new role. Um, county administration and team county commissioners, thank you for having us here today. Great. Um, Commissioner Herbst, do you have any comments? Thank you. Thank you, mayors. Um, appreciate all the information today. Uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Sturman, too, for a lot of those questions. They were certainly things that I had um, on my mind as well. Uh, I echo the mayor and Commissioner Sturman's um, feelings that a tunnel is the ideal solution in terms of the minimal amount of disruption on the city of Fort Lauderdale. Um, but I am financially focused first. Uh, I'm a CPA, so shouldn't come as any surprise to anybody that that, that frugality is is my is my uh, my watchword. Um, you look at the order of magnitude of the cost, and I struggle with the expense associated with constructing the tunnel and maintaining it uh, over its lifetime. So. Um, I've spoken to many of the same folks in the community. I know there are people that are very concerned uh, about the impact of having it run through our downtown. Um, I know there's been conversations about how we construct a bridge in such a way as to minimize the, the, the visual impact of it. I think that can be done. Um, you know, before I moved to Fort Lauderdale, I lived in Jacksonville, which is a city with seven bridges that cross the St. John's River. And many of them are significantly taller than what's being contemplated here, the Hart Bridge, the Fuller Warren Bridge, the Dames Point Bridge. I mean, they're all over the city of Jacksonville. And I can tell you, having lived up there, that the, you know, the, the suggestions of doom and gloom associated with bridges never came to, to the fruition of, of what's being suggested. So I'm, I'm not opposed to a bridge. I, I think it works. Uh, I think it moves the traffic. The most important thing to me is that this gets done. And I'm concerned that if we hold out for the tunnel and we don't have an identified source of funding, that this project is going to fall by the wayside. I've been following the commuter rail since it was first proposed. I went to a planning session on this up in Lake Worth well over a decade ago. And I've said this several times, there have been a number of projects here in South Florida that have stalled because of opposition. Uh, you know, the Southwest 10 connection from the Sawgrass to I-95. Uh, what you saw with um, down in Miami where they're supposed to run a rail line from downtown Miami to South Beach that was uh, going over the MacArthur Causeway has, has been killed for 30 plus years. I don't want to look back 10 years from now and say that Fort Lauderdale killed commuter rail line. I think this is very important, not just for Fort Lauderdale, not just for Broward County, but for the entire uh, Tri-County area. Um, we have a thousand people a day moving to Florida. Many of them want to come down to our area because it's one of the most desirable places in the state to live. The ability to move people around and get them off 95 is going to be critical over the next 50 years to the continued growth of our area. 
Um, I do not want to wind up in a situation where everybody is on 95 and we keep adding more lanes to 95 and more lanes to 95. Um, I grew up in a, in a city that has robust public transportation. It's the only way that you could have density and not be gridlock and nightmare. So while I understand the implications of this, uh, again, I look at this as what is practicable? What can get done? And the most important thing to me is done is better than perfect. So I will be in favor of the bridge option. Thank you. Mayor, I, I just need to just say one thing, because this is the second time I've heard this, and I didn't say anything the first time at our city commission meeting. I think it's false equivalency to compare the New River to the St. John Rivers in Jacksonville. That river in Jacksonville is 100 times wider than the New River. And their downtown goes on for miles and miles and miles. Ours is much more compact, and the impacts on a bridge to our downtown would be much more acute than what um, Jacksonville would be uh, dealing with. So it's not a good equivalency because of the size discrepancy of the downtown and the width of the river. Thank Vice you. Mayor. Thank, thank you, Commissioner, for correcting me, but I really don't need that. My position is as stated. Okay. Vice Mayor. Good afternoon um, to our mayors that are seated here and everyone um, in the room. As far as um, my neighbors, my constituents that who I've been having conversation with, the number one question that is um, brought to me and returned to me many times is who's going to pay for this? Where's the funding coming from? And um, with conversation we've had um, now and before, um, regarding federal funding and timelines and um, things of that matter. Um, I would say, because we haven't, it has been said, we as a commissioner has not voted. We have not truly indicated where we overall stand regarding tunnel versus um, bridge. And with um, that question or the statement I want to make today is that I am standing um, with the option for a bridge because I believe it is more cost efficient and also it will um, also provide opportunity to create um, economic opportunities because this is a lot of money for a tunnel and I believe that we could also look at those funds that could be um, allocated and used within District 3. So with my with the discussion going forward I would like for um, us to Talk about moving forward because this has been going on for a time period and the direction I would like to see is in the direction of a bridge. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, Mayor, do you want any members of your commission to? Okay, absolutely. Sure. Okay, so um, I'd like to start with Commissioner Ryan. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, I am uh, fortunate to be a, a member of the uh, South Florida Regional Transportation Authority, commonly known as the Tri-Rail Board, and have been so for eight years. So uh, I have worked on this issue, uh, you know, frontwards and backwards um, with our District 4 Secretary, who was, was also a board member of Tri-Rail, and with uh, the staff and with the county, um, you know, for years. And I'm somewhat familiar with the issue. Um, I think everybody agrees that if we could get the funding for a tunnel, that we would go forward and, uh, you know, the county 
along with the state, would pick up 50% of the capital cost. The federal government would pay one half of the cost. But um, federal funding is an extremely competitive process. And uh, we, we were talking about grants in the, uh, the neighborhood of $100 million. I think that was the average that was being, uh, you know, awarded for rail projects. And, uh, you know, it's a big deal to get $100 million. So if we're asking for the federal government to pay one half of the capital cost for, you know, even the uh, lowest bridge, you know, you're talking about uh, $150 million from, from the feds. And the second alternative, which uh, initially was a 55-foot bridge, but, you know, I've heard this hybrid of a... Uh, a 38-foot or a 40-foot bridge, and I thought that there was close to some kind of consensus uh, between uh, or among the city, the county, and the marine industry on a bridge of, of that height, of like 38 or 40 feet, uh, because it would allow much more than 90% of the marine traffic to, to get through. And, uh, you know, you also have these challenges that you've got, you know, you've got a bridge at, um, you know, Southeast Third Avenue. You've got an Andrews Avenue bridge, uh, you know, uh, uh, Southwest Seventh Avenue bridge. Uh, you have the Freightline bridge. So, I mean, you don't just, you know, move the traffic just uh, as a result of, of one bridge. You have to, you know, synchronize all of those bridges. And uh, um, what we can achieve is what we need to be uh, looking for because we have a window for funding. Uh, and as good as our appropriations folks are, our congressional delegation, and we have, you know, several of them, you know, from Miami-Dade County, from Broward, Palm Beach County, that are on full appropriations, that are on transportation appropriations, that can get things done. But, you know, there's only so much you can do in this highly competitive process. So, I mean, one of my questions would be, uh, I have seen uh, studies on projected ridership, and I have been advised that uh, the projected ridership that we have on uh, commuter rail on the east side, on the FEC line, is about average projected, maybe even a little bit below average. And that, you know, very much, uh, you know, controls the funding for the large federal grants, you know, for inner city rail for regional uh, commuter rail. So you have somebody, Todd, you have somebody on your team that can speak to this issue about the projected ridership. Uh, yeah, I, I actually do. So, um, and, and I will introduce him because ultimately he was the Florida model man at one time who led the model task force related okay. to that for some years. So, because um, ultimately, one of the things that we did, and I'm going to give uh, Wade the floor, because um, one of the things that we did for FTA is we actually uh, reviewed their forecasts. So that is actually one of the expertise that Wade and myself come with. I was also on TRBs of the National Academy of Sciences Modeling uh, Committee. So I was at a national level. I've actually written the current process that is done. I wrote the problem statement was on the panel in which how you do determine travel demand forecasting, as well as Wade and I were the stops beta tester for FTA. So we can definitely speak to that with some knowledge. So, Wade? Yeah, well, I'll 
try to keep this really short so I know your time's getting short. Um, ridership does matter, cost per rider if for, for capital investment grants, the large federal program you think of for large, you know, multi-billion dollar transit projects. The cost per rider is a very important metric. Um, be honest with you, commuter rail since the pandemic is not what it once was. Um, meaning people aren't commuting to downtowns five days a week anymore. I'm sure you can probably look in this building and find lots of examples of that. Um, and FTA requires that you use something called the stops model, which is a direct, you know, basically a way of estimating that. So, you know, you need to be very conscious, and I'll just leave it at that, of your ridership forecasts and recognize that post-pandemic they may not be quite what they were pre-pandemic. I'll just stop there. So one of the big challenges, so on, on tri-rail, you know, it, it, the line does not run through downtown. It doesn't run through downtown, you know, Miami, uh, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach. Doesn't, you know, run close to the airports. You know, these are the, uh, the regional hubs that are so important. These are our employment centers. These are our, our highest density areas. And that's what, you know, draws the, the ridership. So we can expect much better ridership than we have on the tri-rail line. And even though we are improving our, our numbers on tri-rail, we'll never approach, you know, what is possible, you know, with a, uh, with a downtown line. And, and that is really, for the last 20 years, has been like the big incentive to move forward with commuter rail. So I know time is very uh, limited. I, I'm going to uh, defer. I know that our past mayor had had some discussions with regard to a compromise uh a bridge at 38 or 40 feet and with the mayor's uh, discretion if if we could have uh, Commissioner Fisher uh, may perhaps speak to that issue well that, that'll conclude my comments because I know others want to speak <clears throat> I just have a couple things that I want to go through a lot of it's been covered um, but I just want to add a couple things so I went out and looked at the crosstown because everyone says everyone would prefer a tunnel no matter what, no matter, you know, if, if all things. I'd still need to see a little bit more detail, you know, all things being equal, even if the money, money uh, genie came and dropped all the money. I'm not so positive what this would look like in this community digging a three and a half mile tunnel after seeing some of the major tunnel problems throughout the country over the last decade or so and what we would do down in South Florida with our resiliency, with our sea level rising and what we see. But I, I understand that all things being equal, if we could do it, that's something to talk about. But I'm not convinced there yet that even if all the funding was there, if this would be doable, you know, just based on the geography. I went out with the mayor uh, and looked at a tunnel. Obviously, this is not the boring company, but we went also to LA to look at the Crosstown Expressway Tunnel, which is commuter rail type for their subway. And it was a multi-decade project with, from what they were telling us, multi-gazillions worth of problems once they started going underneath the ground, what they found under there. So we can all talk about it till, you wanna talk about disrupting a community, wait till they start digging under it with what they find with the right of way under there. But that's a story for another day. I've seen a lot of these different letters that have come in and I, I'm glad that all of our municipal mayors are here up and down the corridor and throughout the county and, and other elected officials, because I've spoken to them too. They wanna to see something go across this river. They wanna see commuter rail come. Uh, and I'd like to see that as well. And this is the time that I think we're as close 
as we can to get there. And I remember I, be, I was on a panel with Greg Stewart a couple of years ago when I was mayor, and he said, just keep this process moving. And now we have this southern area where we're doing it. We had a PD&E study the other night. I mean, we're really close to making this move and making this go forward. And there already is a bridge that crosses the new river. It's the bridge for the freight train. So we're not, we're not creating new re major ground here. This is something that we can do and that we should do. So, so we're closer than the pipe dream that we were in the past. We're actually real close to north-south commuter rail, which isn't even the most important for me. I just think it's the logical first step. The most important for me is east-west that can bring things down. But there's no way to do an east-west until you have a north-south to put them on when they get here to increase that ridership. But my question is, I see all these different... Uh, letters of support from all these people from the tunnel. Some of them are different taxing agencies. Are they pledging some of their dollars for some of the costs of this with those? I haven't seen any of those. So I'll just ask, who bears the risk of any cost overruns in these type of projects? So let's say the money comes in, we're building it, tunnel, bridge, spaceship, whatever it is. If there's a cost overrun, who bears the risk of that? The local partner? The project sponsor. So, who, so who, who that would be Broward County? So we would have an interlocal agreement with the city of Fort Lauderdale to reimburse us for any of these overages? Um, Commissioner Udine, may I remind you a couple of things? Sure. The 1% sales tax is generated throughout the entire county. But this wasn't 30, for this project. Just once, let me finish. 30% right. of that tax is generated from guess where? The city of Fort Lauderdale. Got it. So to some extent, there should be some consideration that going forward that some of that money, like maybe Agreed. even 10% of that money should be spent towards Fort Lauderdale's needs. Okay. And so that's, what, that's what we're talking about. Okay. So, that, so anything over that, then Fort Lauderdale would come and backstop. I'm just using that as a rhetorical because I do think that there would be more investigation that would need to be done, but that's all left out. Who pays for the operating and maintenance expenses along the life of the project? That's part of the negotiation. Um, so in our report, we did look using FRA's requirement to say what would be Brightline's commitment and then what would be the local commitment, but most likely that would be the project sponsor as well. But there would be a division in your negotiation with Brightline. Okay. Um, so... I heard today that there's going to be a vote tonight by the city of Fort Lauderdale for some kind of resolution on something. No, there, there's nothing scheduled. No, that was just that was just a suggestion, but nothing's been scheduled. Oh, wow. nothing's been scheduled. Okay, so there's because we still anticipate we've hired additional uh, consultants who are going to report back to us. Okay, and those are, and, and which which they have been texting okay. me. Okay, uh, that's fine. Uh, there's yeah. no vote. There's They've been no texting just... me through this meeting saying that a certain number of these figures are, are, are considerably different than what they're coming up okay. with. So we don't really have all of our information, so we're not going to, there's no way we're going to Understood. It. Yeah. I just heard that there was that something That is not necessarily I... correct. Okay. So if we have to delay this, what's the costs and what's the penalties that, that what, what, what's the risk that we have as we delay? Does a project get blown out of the water? No, but obviously... Everybody's aware of the inflationary effects that are happening. Every time you delay, it costs that much more. Okay. Um, so if there's a vote in Fort Lauderdale at some point, whenever it may be, either tonight or six months from now, if once Fort Lauderdale makes a vote with a majority of the vote, is that then the position of the city of Fort Lauderdale, or then are we going to still be back here? Does the goalpost ever stand in the same spot? 
Well, Commissioner, the, so far, the city of Fort Lauderdale has voted to support the tunnel uh, alternative. Okay. That's what we are of record, okay? And the city commission, this commission with the existing members, have agreed to pay for consultants that are currently undertaking an analysis to give us additional information about both the bridge and tunnel alternatives. So it would be completely premature to take a vote tonight when we've already engaged consultants to come back to us with, uh, with additional information. Furthermore, the city received a million dollar grant, which you're probably aware of, which we received from the U.S. Department of Transportation to help facilitate um, our grant applying for tunnel funding, which the window opens, I believe, uh, it's in February, and that's the target date. It's not okay. the drop dead date, it's the opening date in which um, we can apply for funding uh, from the federal government with regard to uh, the, the river crossing. So that's kind of the timeline, and that's why I was surprised that the commissioner suggested we're going to vote on something tonight when we've already agreed okay. to to okay. engage these uh, these particular consultants. And I respectfully can't the city resolve what the city's going to do at a city meeting. Okay, I mean, those, those, are, those are my questions. I, I, I don't think that there's... I thought we were going to get try and get to some kind of resolution. Obviously, we're not going to because the county's. Listen, the city will have to determine for itself what it, what it wants to do. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Those yeah. are my comments. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Commissioner McKenzie. I'll be brief. Um, I thought this was a joint workshop to move the needle. So. Having said that, I'm going to reserve uh, my presentation or my uh, abundance of uh, comments to when the city makes its decision, whatever that is. But I've been on both sides of the fence at the city. I've seen the city. I was a part of the city um, stopping a rail system. I was a part of where this started with the city, along with the county, and how we get here. Um, I sat on the MPO board, and I expressed my concerns and my position time and time again for a bridge. Just before exiting the city of Fort Lauderdale, I did say I would entertain the uh, alternative of a tunnel, and that was gonna be based on cost. And I haven't seen anything yet uh, since the inception of this idea to, to cross the tunnel, across the, uh, the, the uh, river, where that cost is um, reasonable, uh, sufficient uh, to move forward with the tunnel. Um, so I will still uh, reclaim my position that a bridge is the best alternative here. And even going a step further at the county, I restated again, and uh, I was talking to to uh, Bill Parcells uh, the other day, and we, we, we had a conversation, and no, not the, not Phil Parcells, the the the, the 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 next best, which is the the marine industry, um, who we've considered a lot of uh, these alternatives around, uh, what can happen on that new river, and he asked that I would uh, at least uh, uh, with the bridge uh, consider forty feet. And I think 40 feet consideration was uh, probably over-illustrated uh, in the alternatives up there. So I think moving forward, I think we should consider 40 feet or more to accommodate that traffic. And I think what my, my um, 
my colleague uh, expressed in when you try to navigate these bridges um, and getting traffic back and forth, you got the 11th Avenue Swing Bridge that you didn't include in there. You got um, 7th Avenue Bridge. You have the, the um, Andrews Avenue Bridge. You got the 3rd Avenue Bridge. And bridges are, are there. Unless we fix all these bridges, um, we're still going to be uh, having an issue with moving um, the marine industry up and down um, uh, the waterways. But this will be a start. This will be a start. And the most offensive thing I've heard um, since the inception uh, of this alternative is that bridges separate neighborhoods. Bridges don't separate neighborhoods. Bridges are actually connectors. Bridges don't separate neighborhoods. People do. Economics do. Not bridges. So I wish we would take that statement out of the conversation as we move forward. I would love to entertain all facts that are put on the table, but that is a false statement. I've seen in other places, and uh, Todd and those have illustrated that there's other cities with bridges that have great parks and great connectors and great activities going on underneath these bridges. So that statement is so offensive. And people pull me over time and time again who have decided to shift from a bridge to a tunnel to say that this is why they want to do this, that's offensive. Because I sat at the city and I've seen people from the east side take and take and take from the west side. But to come to me and say a bridge will separate communities, no, people do and economics do. Let's move forward with a bridge when the city of Fort Lauderdale take official vote, then we'll come back and do a real joint workshop mayor and I'm not taking away from your leadership. Otherwise, we're wasting uh, a lot of time. Thank you. Mr. Rogers. Thank you, Madam Mayor, and to everyone here, like the presentation, but I'm gonna start where my colleagues stopped because I had to take a walk outside the room to get further clarification as to when you're talking about what divides the community. I wasn't sure what we were trying to say here. And I've lived on the west side of the railroad tracks all, since I've been in Florida. And yes, it is indeed offensive when we hear about divides. What are we thinking? And as was stated, people create divide, not railroad tracks or tunnels. I have one question as it relates to sea level rise. I did not hear that mentioned in any of the comments made to convince me as to which one would be impacted more. Would it be the tunnel or the tracks? Which one would be impacted more? To our marine industry, yes, Mr. Mayor, I understand when you fight for your city and your district, you know what impacts your area most, what's the major economy, the job creators, all of those things come into the decision that we will make. But there comes a time when we have to look at what is best for the region, what is best for the tri-county area as our people live and work in different spaces and places. 
So I look to that when I'm going to be making my decisions. So marine industry, we understand, and if it takes a bridge that goes a little bit higher, I can understand that also because bottom line here is moving traffic, right? We're trying to get people moving and not gridlock on our roadways already overused. So that is where I stand on this discussion. Learn a lot more and we'll cont I think we need to make a decision county separate from yes. the city of Fort Lauderdale. And I, I would like to, that to hear that. Doesn't have to happen here. We don't have no, to take account here. But it's time for us to put it on the agenda for us to move to do whatever it is, meaning moving forward either way. Let's do that. So thank you, Madam Mayor and colleagues. Thank you. Appreciate and thank you, Fort Lauderdale, for being you here. Most of you have met for the first time. It's good to meet you. Thank you. Senator Geller. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, first, I have been agreeing with the position that all things being equal, I prefer the tunnel. But um, as is frequently the case with my colleague, Commissioner Udian speaks, I haven't really taken into account the actual construction of the tunnel, which certainly could be problematic. Having said that, I have a question for administration, either Mr. Kelleher or Mr. Perro. It is my recollection that we actually did vote, we, the county commission, for a 40-foot or so bridge at a prior meeting. Do I recall correctly? There was no official vote. It was during but, a workshop. But was that not the consensus? Yes. It, it appeared to be the consensus. I'm correct. Every one of right. the nine. And we were told at the time that that would deal with, I believe, 95%. Uh, of the traffic and that had been vetted with MIASF, is that correct? That there had been conversations and our understanding was that the marine industries, and they're here to, to confirm uh, clearly, but that um, a 40-foot bridge um, would be feasible and, and acceptable to them. Thank you. Can you, uh, ask, can you ask Mr. Purcell their, to come their, to the Their letter podium? actually said that. Yeah. Um, I that thought they refuted included. that at our meeting. Yeah, he changed. He, they're today. in your packet today. Well, he's here. Why yeah. don't we just ask him to speak? Because I'm not asking him to oh, speak right, right now. Okay. Um, um, Senator so, Geller, yes. the, the letter that um, is included in your packet is from the Marine Industries, and okay. um, it is. What is the date on that letter? It's today. I think yesterday's or today. It, it was actually as a follow-up to a meeting that was held um, on October 16th of, of this okay. year. Um, and there's, uh, it's in, in the backup that we're okay. providing you I today. just wanted and to confirm what I've been heard at, at and it, it said the takeaway is a 40, to yeah. quote the letter, the takeaway is a 40-foot bridge's feasibility in engineering to cross a new river and land at the existing Bright Line station. Um, sorry, that was a question. I'm sorry, hold on, let me find the that right. That was a question. The, hold on, there's a, there's, let me find the, the right spot because I was just pulling it up. It was concluded that an ideal bridge height would be 40 foot and necessitate no more than several openings per day. It's in the okay. second to last paragraph of the first. Thank you. Do me, do me a favor. I hate to interrupt. I mean, you keep saying 40 feet. It's going to be 45 to 50. Please, somebody check with Brightline to confirm. I think 40 feet is not okay, on the table with Brightline, so it's going to be like 45 okay, to 50. Excuse me, but th this is not the topic for today. We're going to right. finish okay. up here and get everyone so, to let speak so that we can uh, eventually thank you. conclude the meeting. Uh, Senator uh, uh, question. Um, on the costs that we have seen, do these include acquisition of right-of-way? And it is my understanding that we would need probably to acquire right-of-way regardless 
of whether it's a tunnel or a bridge. I'm just asking, do these numbers include what you believe will be the appropriate right-of-way acquisition for both tunnel and bridge? Correct, because these numbers do, do include, include yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have a, uh, let's see, I'll get back to that. The 3.3 billion, which does seem a lot in the tunnel, but is that, that does not, that's not calling for the replacement of the entire tunnel, that's calling for the replacement of components, as you mentioned, the air handlers, the smoke, fire suppression, et cetera. Is that correct? That is correct. You're, I just wanted to make sure you yep, were not capital. replacing yep, the entire tunnel. Correct. Okay. Next. Um, huge issue for me. What impact, if you can explain either or for both, tunnel, bridge, we're talking about this being so great for north-south. I am concerned about every time that I drive, not every time, but I live out west, and most times I drive in, I get stopped by trains or, or bridges. So my question is, can you discuss what impact either tunnel or bridge, both preferably, would have on east-west traffic? Would it block traffic at Broward? Would it block traffic at at all of the, how many of the major roadways would traffic uh, be blocked because of additional trains? So as we mentioned before, so the freight tracks would not be going anywhere. So you would still have that conflict that exists there. Um, the tunnel would remove uh, those conflicts for passenger rail. And I don't believe, uh, Bridge, Jeff? No, What's bridge, the? Bridge, it was down to, uh, with the, the 42, or the 40 foot action that was mentioned, I was at that, right. on the meeting. Um, I believe it was one road. Yeah. Oh, I thought I projected well enough. Sorry. No, There's not when you're being taped. Um, webcast. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, the 40-foot option would only close at one street, I believe. But don't hold me to it. I think it's 7th or 9th or some, something down south because I saw the new but, alignment. But when I'm talking about in terms of east-west, will that, will a bridge or a tunnel, would one result in... 15 additional uh, having to stop traffic per day while the other would be none. I'm just trying to no, figure out. No, it's like, that's why I was saying. Just right. only like, and then don't hold me to which it's either 7th or 9th or one of those streets was the only one that it would prevent. Everything else, the bridge is going to be up, so it's actually going to, it's going to have less blockage of traffic going east-west because then the only traffic, like Broward, will only be impacted by freight. Broward were no longer, and Broward is, Good. I mean. I know, that's, I stopped that's, that's, there all the right. time. Right and now. the 40-foot bridge proposed. Which is why I keep wanting to move the, the government center to plant. Correct, and, and the 40-foot right. okay. proposed right. will also Next. allow for 23-foot vertical I'm, I'm, clearance I'm at Broward in case somebody wants to right. put in uh, some type of east-west streetcar or whatnot. Gotcha. So there'll be plenty of vertical clearance for east-west. Thank you. How do you stop a tunnel from filling with water when it rains? Oh, that's a Nick question. Yep, Nick? Uh, I, I'm sure there's a oh, yeah, answer. No, that's I just want to know a, that there is yeah, one. That, that's a, a, great, a great answer. But most of the time, be honest with you, the tunnel design, uh, uh, this uh, groundwater uh, taken out is from the firefighting. Okay. So actually, the, the drainage system, you have a cross, so-called uh, trench drain before the tunnel in the portal. So all the water try to get into the tunnel, intercept at the portal. So the answer, I don't need details, the answer yeah. is you can design it so that Absolutely. even in our 
hurricane monsoon rain, it won't fill with water, correct? Correct. And okay. uh, you'll be designing for. That was, all right. Next. Um, the, I, I'm very close to the end here now. My, uh, my questions are, uh, well, one last question before I get to my ultimate one. Kevin, on page five up here, four of ten, I'm sorry. It says FEC says no, FEC says no, FEC says no, FEC says probably no. Um, and four of ten uh, in the final report. Um, and so my question is, Todd or County, I, I believe that you said that basically it could grow wings or something and fly away, but that there are sightings or wings or can you explain to me how we get around no 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 yeah so to get around the no 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 essentially and that's an important concept fec as reported said we do not want to be impacted in any way our operation is too important when we looked at all four of the alternatives there was no option to not impact it but Wandell, our consultant that managed the bridge, uh, the bridges, came up with an idea to say, hey, we think that we could do one-way uh, rail lines next to each other to not disrupt the FEC line. And so they're actually working on that now. It's a project that's sponsored by the Broward MPO. We've actually already developed the profile and the plan related to that, and we're finding that, that we can actually make that work. And, without you're, telling me that, and you're telling me that F the FEC would be – probably okay with that once you show it's engineering it's it, possible it, it's possible i mean you, you never know what they're going to say again as a sovereign it's up to them they own the right of way and oh, cut, go up sorry. and is that within the same budget that we're talking about now yes uh, we did ask if they would accept flanking bridges to eliminate the impact to their uh operations and they said yes they would consider it i mean okay. until you until you put a plan in front of somebody's <laughs> face the best, they, uh, the best you right. can get is they'll consider it so because i originally always saw was no 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 which means that we're wasting our time here but you're saying that there is an alternative that might work okay my last question slash comment then is i, I am it, i don't want us to miss the window what I am concerned about, somebody, and I apologize, I've heard 82 experts talk about what the maximum grants are that are likely to, we're likely to get from federal government. Who, whoever said that, was that you? Uh, okay, yeah, I was giving you some statistics okay. about the programs. Okay, yes. My question is on the cheapest of it. <clears throat> I'm assuming that a 40-foot bridge is likely going to cost in the 550 million 500 million yeah. something like Roughly. that based yeah. on those numbers if we need 50 percent federal that's 250 which is probably already more than you're talking if the bridge is anywhere close to that number and i am infuriated that this long afterwards we still can't agree on numbers but it, it is what it is I'm unhappy that there are still conflicting numbers. I would prefer to have everybody in agreement on numbers. But since we don't, I'm going to have to go with something close to this. It sounds to me like our only we're pushing our luck at trying to get $250 million. If we go in asking, even if it's only half that, 
three billion, even if it's only a billion and a half, that's seven hundred and fifty million, we'd be asking Congress for three seventy five I mean, I just it sounds to me like based on what you're saying, and I came in not knowing these numbers, that our chance you believe our chance of getting federal funding for the three billion or the fifty percent or two billion or whatever that number is is vanishingly slim while we have a substantially better chance of getting funded at a 40-foot bridge. Can you comment on that? And I am not going to respond. I am done. But I want to hear your comment before we're, we're finished. All right. Excellent. And I think the best place to start, because the thing that I want to mention to both mayors and the commissioners, these are your numbers. This was actually a collaborative effort. These are the city of Fort Lauderdale's numbers as much as they are Broward County's numbers. This was a joint study. These numbers stand as part of your lexicon as well. And they are in range with what we were seeing with FTA and even the Lochner report that we were so graciously given by Fort Lauderdale staff that simply said, looking at the numbers, we see them to be somewhat low. They would recommend a 10 to 15, but we actually developed cost estimates based off of industry standard class four standards and these are your numbers they're one number that you have you have multiple numbers available to you now as it relates to paying for it and i'll bring lola up as as part of the this question as well. was the, uh, yes. on getting federal funds yes and so what i like to focus in again is on the facts so what we know is the mega projects last year there were nine of them that were selected that were highly there were 16 highly ranked of 200 plus applications 126 of them was considered ineligible. Of the 16 recommended highly eligible, or rec highly recommended, only nine of them received funding. The highest was Amtrak at 292.2 million. The lowest was 30 million. The average award was $130 million for those nine projects. For RISE that just came out, RISE, is, the cap is 25 million. For infra, I believe it was the highest award was about 180 million. So those are just facts. That's information for you to consider because ultimately this is to inform your decision making. So again, even if you totaled all of those up and got all of them, you're looking at about a half a million on very competitive grants, not to talk about the eligibility issues. And go ahead, Wade, please. This is Wade White again. I just wanna highlight that this by itself is not a project. Okay, when you talk about applying for a federal grant, a bridge to nowhere is not a project. This project is going to go from whatever the terminus of the BCR South is, the medical, the medical center, I know, but all the way to the northern terminus, wherever you, it comes out of the study. That is a project. Asking for one piece of a project that doesn't have independent utility, your, your probability went way down, and I'll just say that. Okay, thank you, Senator I, Geller. I'd like to actually and finish this up, though, because we do have our funding expert. Oh, okay. Lowell said no. Okay. Go well, ahead, Let, Mayor, me, I'm let sorry. me just have uh, 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 Commissioner Fisher uh, okay. close this out before I make my close. <clears throat> uh, thank you, Mayor, so much. And thank you for the City of Fort Lauderdale. And, you know, I've had been privileged to um, work with the City of Fort Lauderdale over the past year, having multiple meetings together with Mayor Trentalis and the MPO and with the White House group and trying to come up with a resolution that is satisfactory to both parties. 
I just have to ask a couple of questions because I want to put on the record because I'm, I'm a little bit confused. I want to make sure on the White House group that this is occurring. Are there any alternatives viable as a standalone project from a federal perspective? Actually, Lowell, I'd like you to answer that one. As Wade indicated, you have to have a project that has independent utility. So the question is, what is this project? Okay, is it just a bridge? Is it just a tunnel? What is it connecting to from a transportation perspective? So to apply for federal grants, that's going to be one of their questions. What is the purpose and need of the project? Okay, so if you can't answer that question, you don't get past start. So okay. that's really where you're going to start at. And when you go through this, if you match it up with extension of commuter rail, then you do have a project and you can consider that 50% funding option from that perspective. Okay. okay. At these numbers, you're looking, remember, you have a overall transit program in your county. Miami-Dade has a big program right next to you. These are highly competitive. So you're going to have to make policy decisions about where you're going to spend the money and consider yourself having to come up with anywhere from 25 to 50% of that funding. Okay. Um, to our county attorney, just on a legal perspective, who specifically has a legal authority to construct any project in the FEC right away? Uh, Commissioner, it's uh, the FEC uh, right of way is controlled by FECR with access rights to Brightline. So uh, negotiations would have to occur with both of those entities. And that's what I thought. Okay. And also the legal authority to operate and maintain, because we talked about O&M, a new community rail service in Broward County. Who has that legal authority? Well, uh, again, it would have to come down to, to negotiations okay. uh, with Brightline and, and FECR. Okay. Mr. Stewart, are you here still? Greg Stewart from MPO? Because I think it was brought up, and Mayor Trentalis mentioned about the current grant that they actually had um, submitted. I think that was independently. That was not with MPO and with the county, correct? No, uh, neither en entity actually signed other than the city oh. of Fort Lauderdale, although okay. we were mentioned throughout the whole document. So having, I know Fort Lauderdale obviously has expressed their interest and intention to perform additional studies and submit an application in February for the mega grant to the U.S. Department of Transportation to secure the capital funding constructive <clears throat> tunnel. And Mayor Trentalis has been working desperately with U.S. Uh, Department of Transportation. But can Fort Lauderdale do such? Can they, can they apply for that grant if the commuter rail project sponsor is actually Broward County? And that's kind of been the miscommunication here. I want to make sure who's in charge of what or who can do and what can't do. And, and for the record, Greg Stewart, Broward Metropolitan Planning Organization, um, the answer to that question is quite simple. No. Uh, the city of Fort Lauderdale can apply for something for itself. The county can apply for something itself. However, if they were going to, and this is where I've gotten very confused by the grant that was applied for by the city, that actually referenced back both the MPO and the county. So therefore, that grant itself, I'm not exactly sure how the city would be able to administer anything for a Broward County project. Okay. Again, I want everything to be clear on who can do what and how we do it together, if need be. And do you believe it's realistic for either Fort Lauderdale or Broward County to request grant funding to build a tunnel early next year? Is that realistic? <laughs> All right. So that's a quick and easy answer. No, it is completely unrealistic. Okay. 
So what I'm getting at is is that we have worked so no, diligently no. this past year to come up with that resolution, and and Mayor Chantalis and I, like I said, both of our teams along with the MPO have been, and we came up we thought was a possible plan, and it was to do first a 20-foot bridge with obviously some cut and covers because we have to deal with traffic going east and west. It's most importantly to get Broward Boulevard, Davie, Sunrise moving so they're not constantly having to stop for a train, which I thought was a great compromise, and we agreed to that. But understanding, when we went to the Marine Industries Association, there was issue with the 20-foot, that it was not accommodated, although we had heard that it was 90% be accommodated, et cetera. But they come up and they said, listen, we need a 40-foot, minimum of 40-foot. And so we came back to that. So I'm looking at Phil. Phil, does your letter still stand? Can you still stand up and let me know? Are you okay with a 40-foot-plus bridge? Come up to the no. Yeah. He's got to come up. Come to up. The come up to the podium because no, no. I. Because I want to, and Mayor Chantalis wanted this earlier, I want to make sure, too, that all the stakeholders here are involved, and the Marine Industries is very, very much involved in this. Yeah. Because I had personal well, conversations with, with See, Phil. this shows who, you how collaborative we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, Phil, you, you and I have had conversation after conversation, and most recently, the 40-foot was acceptable. By all means. Yeah, what happened at the City Commission meeting, there was a gentleman that got up that spoke on behalf of what his interpretation of was a conversation he had with someone with our industry. That a 40-foot bridge, look, there's the 55-foot bridges, which are I-95 and tri-rail. That accommodates our industry. We know that. They're fixed. A 40-foot bridge will accommodate the majority of our industry. So there won't be more than uh, uh, several openings a day. So several could be three to seven, if you look at what several means. Um, and that's about it. And that's for boats that exceed the standard, which that's, that standard is a 34 and a half feet air draft. So that accommodates a 40, a little bit bigger, actually. So it's not like, hey, let's go down to 34 and a half feet. Let's do a little bit more so it gets that 125, 130. The 50 meter boats, they're going to have to open. But keep in mind, every, there's four vehicular bridges and two railroad bridges as it is on the New River. The vehicular bridges open 30 times a day. We'll reduce that drastically. Okay. And I don't mean half. I mean drastically, only to several openings a day. All right. Because, again, the 40-foot bridge will work. So thank you for putting that on the record. Because I, yeah, everybody has a communication yeah. assessment. So yeah, you, everybody so. gets an opinion. And, and, again, there's a lot of numbers that everyone throws around this room. I've heard no different than this study. You know, this right. study showed that yeah. a small bridge accommodates 90% of our industry. It didn't come from anyone in our industry. It came from, and, again, we've had a, a monitor on that bridge for the last seven, eight years, we've 24-7 got a video. We know every size that goes through there. We know how much it opens. We know when the train's broke. We know everything. So, and we've worked very closely with the train to find a solution. We've always been at the table, so we're not at the menu. Appreciate you. Thank My you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. And I also... Was that Parcells? That was Coach Parcells. <laughs> That's Coach Parcells. We're going to call him Coach for now on, just to give it... Yeah, I think I'm okay with you, Mr. Stewart. And also... You know, there's so many stakeholders involved here, and people mentioned, hey, I'm for this, I'm for that. And I know the Alliance, Mr. Swindell is here. Last time we spoke, the Alliance has not taken a position on this matter, correct? Can you come up to the podium and just let that be a record? Because, I, again, I'm not trying to be cross-examining, but I just want to make sure that the facts, the facts are presented. Um, No, Mayor Fisher, I, uh, thank you for asking that question. I double-checked with my team during this meeting to make sure that a uh, letter had not been produced. We have not taken a position okay. on the tunnel. And I do know that the uh, Mr. Limblay for the Chamber of Commerce of Florida, they had taken a position back, I think, in 2021, 
again, speaking with him within the last 30, 40 days, they had backed off of taking a position at all. Matter of fact, the chairman, Jack Sider, was insistent on their board. So I want our stakeholders to get engaged. I want them to be part of us and want them to, we want to hold hands together. But at the same time, I want everybody to understand really where we need to be at the end of the day. And the DDA, I think Jenny left, but the DDA folks, and I think Warren Sturman, you mentioned about that. Uh, Dr. Gary, and I can't remember say his last name, Breyer, Dr. Gary Breyer from the. I don't know, but anyway. His, well, was his nickname was Dr. Mole. Dr. Mole. Uh, what was interesting when I had a conversation with him, and Kevin, you were on the phone with me, and he was a, had done 1,500 tunnels, et cetera, but he, two things stood out to me. This very first words out of his mouth, he goes, to build a tunnel in Fort Ardeal is about as difficult as it gets. I'm thinking, good goodness, I wouldn't have my experts say that right away to start the conversation. But more importantly, than his, his focus was on really the hole only and not building the entire tunnel. He said we could do a shorter one, but he stopped and said, listen, I'm only talking about the hole itself. Right, Kevin? Yeah, the, the, he, he said both those things, but he also had one other thing that he would not recommend a, a single bore hole because it would collapse upon itself because of the ground conditions. Correct. And again, I appreciate the DDA yeah. getting involved and trying to get expert. I appreciate the workshop, uh, you know, and the workshop was very clear with me. In my last meeting with uh, Steve Hudson and with Russ Clinton, I said, listen, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We're going to support what does work because as Phil and I have always had the philosophy, no is not the solution. We're going to cross this river. We're going to get there sooner or later because I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I represent District 4, including Fort Ardale and Oakland Park in Pompano Beach, and I used to represent Deerfield, so I still kind of claim them at the end of the day, which has three stops. But So I have to make this, obviously, as we can see by the all correspondence that we've had, and Mayor Cooper, thank you for yours as well, you see this is truly a regional plan. It's not a, a specific plan for a specific area. And those letters were very helpful to me at the end of the day, so thank you for all those agencies that jumped out, and obviously Miami-Dade and Palm Beach. I definitely want to hold Palm Beach County hostage. I would never want to do that. And if we've got to get over this, and I'll tell you what we promised, this board promised and committed that we would serve our cities north of this river, and I hope and pray that we will continue to have that. Otherwise, I'll be hung, you know, from, from the neck. And we talk about commitment. We talk about o Oakland Park right now. We talk about affordable housing. We talked about that today. <laughs> Oakland Park is putting where the money where, the, where, the, where it makes sense. They are right now building, right where their station is going to be, affordable housing, their new city hall, and retail. They're doing it. Pompano Beach is planning right now for parking, et cetera, and Deerfield Beach is doing the same thing. So it's imperative that we get there, and we get there as soon as we can. So. Um, the overall advantage that we talked about and the obstacles has been multiple consultants. We've heard from multiple consultants, but this is the ones obviously that we both paid for, and I understand that. But at the end of the day, and my frustration, and Mayor Trentalis knows this as well, you know, I've continually heard for the last year, we, that we can do it cheaper, we can build it, and I'm all for the tunnel if we can do it and it makes sense. But it's not making realistic sense at this point with all the experts involved. But I've heard that Fortress will make a commitment, that the cost will, you know, I have looked for this for a year, but the thing's in writing. And that's when the most frustrating things I get about is, that's fine. I'm off for the tunnel. Give me the company. Tell me how much it's actually going to cost us so we can go forward. I never get it. I never get it from the folks that I meet with. 
I never get it from the folks that continue to ask for it, and it becomes frustrated on my end because I want to get there so bad. But ladies and gentlemen, time is now. And you heard the word time is of the essence. In the real estate industry, that is very important. Time is of the essence now. Time is now, time has come. We can no longer afford to wait. We have to make a decision. We have to move this thing forward. Otherwise, 2024, November comes, we have no idea if we're going to get any federal money at all, much less 100 or 200 million, whatever we can hopefully get. So let's be realistic, let's be regional, and let's make the right decision for Broward County, for Miami-Dade, for Palm Beach, for this entire region, for all municipalities in Broward County. We want to move folks north and south, we want to move them east and west. We can no longer delay, we can no longer delay. And I hear February and, and so forth, February is a grant, which I just talked about, which we can't even do because we're not a party to that. At the end of the story, let's, let's do this together. But at the end of the day, my understanding is it is a Broward County project. Obviously, we want our partners to get engaged and be involved, but at the end of the day, it is Broward County. We have to make the right decision, this board does, to our constituents and to the entire region that makes it most sensible, most cost-efficient, most fiscal responsible to make this a reality because it's got to happen, folks. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. Thank you. Just, <laughs> I just want to thank our, our former mayor because he has been passionate about this, to say the least. And I think the only time I ever saw him upset was at a mission meeting where we were discussing this. And I, I will tell you, it shows in the fact that cities all up and down the, the coast who um, uh, are, in, are within uh, Commissioner Fisher's district and, and not even within them have sent us letters uh, really saying pretty much what we've been, our, what our people have been saying here today. Time is of the essence. We have got to move. And many of them said, uh, made, the, made the choice of saying bridge. And I have to say, I, I, uh, Commissioner Herbst, I just met you for the first time today. And um, but I, I have such agreement with, uh, with you on what, what you said. Uh, and I'm not a CPA, <laughs> but uh, uh, the, it, it's to me about the cost, the magnitude of the cost that I see when I look at, when I look at what's on this screen. And I think about all the needs in our communities, uh, and I think about all the, 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 the folks up and down uh, the highway that are in different cities that are already building or about to be building. We have affordable housing going up. Uh, Hollywood is doing that. Uh, Pompano is going to be doing that. It's, it's all up and down, this, this uh, transit-oriented uh, 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 opportunity. So we just need to, uh, and, and I, I mean, I know we talk about, you, you have another study, but I have to tell you today, one of the reasons why we had this study, why we did it the way we did today, is because this is the only study that we have done together, that we both agreed upon the people, White House, we agreed upon the scope of service, and you know, we thought that we could all come to consensus. They gave us facts, just as uh, um, was being said a little earlier. And, and by the facts, it's, it, we need to look at the cost effectiveness, the time. When I look at the time, 10.5 years with the, with, the, with, the, with the tunnel. And I have to tell you, my, 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 one of my daughters lives in, 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 uh, in LA. That thing's been going on there. It's unbelievable, and everywhere you look, I, I didn't even ask. I mean, Boston and, and other places where you have these tunnels, and they 
they find all kinds of things once they get started. And, um, and I am also, and, and, and I'm also, ex and I'm also extremely concerned about, about uh, climate resilience. And I think this is a big issue for, for a tunnel as well. So between the, 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 the cost effectiveness, the time, the fact that we have joined together and we have an incredible in-depth study in front of us that really gives us the information we need to move forward. I just want to say one last thing. We, we do have a consensus among our city commission, uh, our county commission. Uh, when we met, it was, it was nine nothing. Uh, everyone wanted to move ahead with the bridge. And um, um, I feel that at this point, I'm hoping that you all can get to that. I heard, I heard three people here today say that they would support a bridge. So well, I don't know. let's not you, direct us. Uh, no, I'm not okay. directing you. Okay. I'm just saying I heard. Excuse me. I heard three people say that. Okay. okay. For so the record, it's now up to it's, it's now up to you. Mm. We know where we are, and you have to determine, you know, what you're going to do with this. But we mm. we need to move ahead. It is mm. our project, and we need to move ahead okay. with this. We can't hold it up any longer. Madam Madam Mayor. Um, wait, yes. wait wait wait. Let me respond. Um, <clears throat> First of all, I know we're concluding today's workshop, and I appreciate everyone participating here today. Um, and I appreciate everyone's patience in the back room, because I know it's been a little tiresome to hear all the different conversations and, and things that have been said. Um, but um, I, I don't want anyone to leave this room thinking that the city of Fort Lauderdale does not want to participate in commuter rail service. The city of Fort Lauderdale has repeatedly uh, expressed its opinion that commuter rail is important. But at the same time, uh, we have to consider what the impact is on how it gets through the city of Fort Lauderdale. I mean, all these other cities you mentioned, Oakham Park, Deerfield, and all, all the building projects, um, that's great for them. But if it's going to negatively impact our city, then we have to consider how can we best navigate this project through the city of Fort Lauderdale so that it does not negatively impact our economic development, our flourishing downtown, all of the things that, that we're trying to create in an urban environment that uh, we've spent decades trying to pull together and we're now finally seeing the success of those efforts. Um, for those who are concerned about funding, uh, it was announced today that Brightline just received a $3 billion grant from the federal government for their project out in California. So projects of that magnitude are being funded. We're not talking about 50 million or 100 million. We're talking about billions. So it is within the, the it, it is contemplated by the U.S. Department of Transportation that these size projects can be funded at those levels. Also, uh, with all, I, re, I appreciate the work that the, uh, the White House group has done, but keep in mind, even uh, Todd had indicated that they weren't asked to come up with design plans for the best alternative. They were given four alternatives and they were asked to, to, uh, to uh, determine the feasibility of those four alternatives. Um, keep in mind that when FDOT first proposed these four alternatives, the cost for the tunnel was 3.8 to 4.2 billion. And then somehow when they sharpened their pencil, they realized that they could come up with a figure that was half that. In fact, they're in their community outreach, their public outreach um, meetings in which I attended, they were down to 1.8 billion to 2.2 billion. So these numbers have a way of just uh, 
uh, fluctuating in so many different ways, and and you know, and so th for that reason, uh, because the scope of, of employment, that you know, the scope of engagement that we uh, we had together asked the uh, MPO to come up with, um, we felt that uh, we needed we the city of Fort Lauderdale needed to really ask uh, consultants who have built tunnels to come to us and say, look, what would you do? Under these circumstances, how would it, how would it, could it be accomplished? Under these circumstances, to to be able to to create a a um, a pathway over the new river or under the new river, and and bring us cost estimates, timelines, uh, uh, operation and maintenance, and all of that. The city of Fort Lauderdale, uh, in its last meeting, uh, voted to uh, engage consultants, BDO and others. Uh, to who are not here today to present because that wasn't the purpose of today's meeting, but who, who have been engaged by the city of Fort Lauderdale to come back to us, who will now come back to us, and I'll be very happy to present those figures to you uh, as you consider going forward. But the point is that putting a bridge through the middle of the city of Fort Lauderdale, people expecting people to live under a bridge, recreate under a bridge, I thought we're past that in this day and age. That's, the cities took down bridges. If you look at old pictures of Manhattan, when they had elevated rail systems going down 2nd Avenue and 5th Avenue, those have all been eliminated for good reason. Because not only are they blighted, but they also bring a neighborhood down. So the point is that we have to talk not just about capital costs, but social costs and environmental impact. And to me, you can't put a dollar figure on some of those on some of those things. You can't put a dollar figure on social costs. You can't put a a, a, a dollar figure on um, economic development impact when, in fact, economic development is already happening. So, as we leave today, um, I know that we're going to have a differences of opinion. Um, I thought we had come to a nice agreement uh, with the 25-foot bridge, uh, 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 Lamar, um, when Monica sat us down and proposed that with the underpasses for, for uh, the major arteries of Sunrise and Broward, um, I thought it was a win-win because even with a bridge, we're still not considering what's going to happen at Sunrise or Davie because if you talk about adding 60 to 80 more trains at Sunrise Boulevard, I'm sorry, um, uh, uh, Senator Geller, but you're going to have to suffer through the bridge, those guard gates coming down at, at those intersections because we have not, even a bridge makes no accommodation for those, for those um, uh, vehicular pathways. So, you know, this is a very holistic study. We really haven't, uh, you know, addressed those areas of concern that are very important to the city of Fort Lauderdale. So, um, going forward, I'm hoping we can continue this discussion. I know there are certain deadlines, but it's something tells me that if we really put our heads together and, and, and work in good faith together, we're going to be able to come up with, with a solution that's going to be able to be satisfactory for the community. So, thank you. Did you want to say anything else? Oh, yes. Um, Commissioner Udine, you had asked a question. I had said something earlier, and uh, the answer was blatantly erroneous. I'm going to re-say re what I said, Mr. City Attorney, Mr. City Manager. Once again, I'm going to repeat myself. I do intend to bring a resolution forward at tonight's meeting regarding this, just to put you on record. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Okay. All right, thank, we're done. thank you all audience for being so thank patient you. and thank you. listening and, and, and yeah, right. meetings adjourned. Thank you. Thank you.